Association. I could turn the bloody thing off. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. My name is Tom Suri, and this is Zero News. Um, I am joined today with a man who always has a plan, the man who always has a smile, which is why I don't take him to funerals. Um, but beyond that, uh, always uh, the man with the with the the middle uh, ground and the middle sense and the common sense, which is, I think, what we need right now. So um, with some his also with some of his inside knowledge and. Um, as I've always said, my belief is he's absolutely the best orator in the movement. Um, we could do with um, we could do with the chat with Richard Inman. So, without further ado, let's bring in the man himself, Richard Inman. Welcome back to Zero News, my friend. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. It's good. It's good to be back. And uh, I love a good funeral as long as it's one of my enemies' funerals. You know, your enemies' funerals are the best funerals to go to. And, you know, there's nothing like it. There's no, nothing like an old IRA man's funeral to make you smile. You know, so anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving the intro there as well, Tom. It was, it was kind of like we were getting introduced to, to a, some sort of UFC fight. You know, so I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not I was over just the top McGregor to pop up somewhere. You know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't slightly over the top at all, was it? Not, love it, mate. Love it. I think it's class. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, obviously, um, you. Well, I, I don't know what, what part of Ireland you, you you live in. I don't know if it's if it if it's too small a part to ask you about. But but obviously, yeah, any I, I, live, I, I live close to Belfast. I live in the Great right. Belfast area. So, right. uh, so if anybody doesn't know, Richard, Richard, uh, you know, still lives in Northern Ireland. Um, you served in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. Obviously, all of us know things like uh, what, you know, we all understand Bloody Sunday. We all understand the IRA. We, many of us lived through it. Um, however, we've seen some things happen recently with, with Europe. And um, I think, Richard, Richard, where would be a good place to start is if you could just give us the background on our what I, I often term, and I know you do as well, our surrender to the IRA. Well, it's, it started with the Norman Conquest, of course, but we'll not we'll not go we'll not go that far back. Um, but the the the, uh, the the reality is what happened in in the late nineteen eighties. Um, the British government had a had a policy of, of very robustly um, resisting terrorism. Margaret Thatcher was prime minister. Now, Margaret Thatcher. Was good in some ways, and in other ways, she was very, very bad. She was very, very bad if you lived in the north of England. It was very bad um, for unionism as a, as a whole. In 1985, she signed the Anglo-Irish Agreement, which gave the Republic of Ireland 
a say somewhat in in Northern Ireland's future. Um, right. And that caused, at that time, it caused a, a mass uprising of loyalist and unionist people in 1985. There were protests, there were riots, um, policemen's homes were attacked. Um, and, and, and what that did, that reinvi reinvigorated uh, a young um, and, and militant loyalism, many of whom joined paramilitary groups and and basically got involved in the in, in the conflict in in the late 80s that that yeah, had yeah. that had a a double effect on, on, on one hand obviously it caused a lot of mayhem and a lot of a lot of a lot of heartache but on the other hand um part of that loyalist campaign became very very adept at targeting republicans ira people and ira people's families and, and what that did was that that basically put the ira on the back foot at the same time as that um, British um, undercover agents um, run by OC Special Branch, MI5 and the, and the Force Research Unit had penetrated all these terrorist organisations, including the IRA at the highest level. The IRA was penetrated to Army Council level, so you had people sitting on the Army Council who were also sitting in meetings with MI5 and fully briefing MI5. Yeah, you see the reconstructions of that now, can't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And the security services. And to all intents and purposes, even though the IRA was still able to carry out a lot of operations, they were on the back foot. I think the, the, the hammer blow against the IRA in, in the 80s was in 1987 when soldiers from uh, 22 SAS, um, police officers um, from a specialist police unit called E4 Alpha, and uh, I think the special support unit was still on the go then as well, um, basically ambushed counter-ambushed an IRA ambush. The IRA were coming in to, 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 to wipe out a police station in wow. They sent a team, let me get this right, I think there was, I think there was at least, was a nine, there was either eight or nine IRA men um, in the team. They had a bomb in a JCB. They, they were fully armed with G3 rifles and AK-47s. Their idea was to go to the police station, storm the police station, kill all the police officers inside it and blow the police station Smithereens. Wow. Um, the IRA ambushed them, and all the terrorists were killed in the in the ensuing the ensuing firefight. A couple of police officers were killed. I think one SAS man was no, sorry, no police officer was killed. One policeman was injured. I think one SAS man was injured when the when the bomb exploded, and all the terrorists were killed in the in, in the firefight. That was a real turning point for the IRA because the the unit that was um, that was engaged in that action was one of the most militant units within the IRA. It was the East Tyrone Brigade. They'd been responsible for countless sectarian murders. They killed many off-duty policemen. They killed many off-duty soldiers. Um, I believe they were also responsible for the massacre um, at T-Ban where uh, innocent workmen that had been working on a security force base were, were blown up in a, in, in a bomb attack. So they were, they were very, very dangerous and wicked and evil men. And once they were wiped out, the IRA realised that they had no chance of winning militarily, and right. So that they did realise that. They... Oh, absolutely. The, the the IRA knew that they couldn't win. They 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 thought they could fight the British to a stalemate. Um, right. Thatcher and the um, the members of the security forces and the, and the, the 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 top military intelligence people um, believed that they could actually defeat the IRA. 
And how strong, how strong, because this is something I'd never hear anyone really ask, but how, obviously a conflict is always judged by what the leaders say, but how strong was the actual animosity on the streets and things? Oh, it was, it was vicious and, st and still powerful. can be. It, it, it was, it was palpable. Um, I, I guess the only way of, of explaining it, I mean, if you, I don't know if you remember the, the, the demonstration we did um, in 2017 where we had 70,000 veterans and, yeah, and football lads, the, 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 the anger then among the, among the, the football lads and the veterans because of what the, the Islamic terrorists had done um, in, in at the Ariana Grande concert was, was a boiling point. And, and that was, again, that there was, there was real potential there in the UK for something similar to what happened in Northern Ireland to, to, to happen in the United Kingdom. One of the things I was very mindful of when I was involved in, in that movement at that time was to, was to give people a political way out so that the, the voices that were some overtly saying we need to take action about this um, were, were pointed in a different direction because obviously I'd seen what happened in, in, in Northern Ireland. Yeah. You know, I, I went there in the eighties at the height of the troubles and, and I, I know where that leads. And, and I, I just warned people, I said, look, you can do what you want. It's nothing to do with me, but my counsel would be, let's go down a political route. And that's of course why we, you know, yeah. Images for anybody that grew up during my time, I never forget the images of the, the two um, soldiers that, that that backed into a an IRA funeral accidentally. Um, yeah, I mean, what what happened there? That um, soldiers from my regiment were on the ground um, that day in West Belfast. It was a funeral. I can't remember whether it was um, after Michael Stone. I think it was possibly after Michael Stone, uh, who was who was a loyalist paramilitary. He he basically uh, attacked um, an IRA funeral with um, with a handgun and grenades. And I think he killed two or three people. One was an IRA man called Kevin Brady. I think that was Kevin Brady's funeral when those two corporals were were ambushed and murdered. And um, it was horrific. And I mean, the reality is, the reality is, um, that sentiment was there. And even now, I mean, me talking about this now, as as an ex-British soldier living in Northern Ireland, is is still dangerous. You know, that that's the reality of the situation. There's still people in this country that would kill me. Because of wow. the job I did 30 years ago, that's that's a reality of the situation that we live in. Now, um, obviously, we all take precautions. We, you know, we, we have security. We 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 do our drills, um, but there is there is still potential for um, for violence in Northern Ireland from from Republican paramilitaries because the, the, the distant Republicans are still there. Again, they're heavily infiltrated by the security services, but they're still there. But the, you're asking about the about how this how this how we got to the situation we're in now. Yeah, the road, so, the road to sure. uh, surrender. So, so, so basically, to all intents and purposes, the IRA had been fought to a standstill, and with one big push, the IRA could have been defeated. And you so, could they, have been that, that, so they could have been defeated. Actually, stopped. You think? I oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Margaret Thatcher had the will to do it because of what happened at the. Um, with there the wouldn't have been like, a group or resurrection. It wouldn't have been saying they'd just gone on and on. It could have actually been stopped. It could have. It could have. It could have been stopped. I mean, you've got to understand. You see, the amount of people that are actually involved in killing 
in 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 um, in terms of paramilitary groupings is comparatively small. Right. So, yeah. You know, yeah, you, 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 yeah. You would be talking probably on the IRA side at any one time, no more than 250 activists actually actively involved in terrorism. And in terms of actual actually people that were going out and doing the shooting and the killing, you would be talking probably no more than 30 to 50 people who'd actually been involved in shootings and so on and so forth. So right. the, the amount of activists that were actually involved in active murder and mayhem was, was comparatively small. The organizations were big in terms of logistics and support base and so on and so forth. But the actual people that were doing the killing was a, was a, was a fairly small number. And that was really the same on both sides. Um, right. You know, the, 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 the conflict could have been stopped if the people that had been doing the killing had been dealt with. Let's just put it that way. Because right. the, one of the problems that people don't understand is, and this is one of the problems IRA and Sinn Féin have got, the, many of the, the top people in their organisations the only reason they're still living and breathing today is because they were working for the British state. It's as simple as that. I've always, I've always wondered. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I, I'll give you an example. This, I mean, you know, not that I want to quote the BBC. The BBC did a rather good um, series of documentaries about the troubles. It only aired in Northern Ireland. But one of the statements they made, which, which again, from everything I've read and seen and been told by people who were, were heavily involved in that end of things, is true, is that um, there was a, there was a burglary at the the Castle Ray Holding Centre, which was basically a um, where Special Branch were based, RUC Special Branch. The IRA burgled that and stole all the information on who were informants in the IRA in Belfast, and wow. they deciphered who was who were the informants. They realised they didn't have enough gunmen left in Belfast to shoot the people that were actually informants because all of those. Wow. You know, and I could name them. I'm not going to name them because obviously you would end up dragged into a libel court in a heartbeat. But I could name them. I could I can tell you where the people live and what business wow. what businesses they operate today. Um, so you know, before, so, before, before we carry on with the descent to to surrender, I mean, one question I've always wanted to, to know. I mean, I, I know it's obvious at the time, but looking back now, the IRA especially even the way you've described them seemed like they were very serious. You said yourself that the, the, the feel on the ground was palpable. Why did they, why did they um, give warning to, to some of their attacks? I mean, it sounds almost humanitarian, but why did they do that? Uh, I've, uh, because of the discussions I've had with people in the last 30 years, I've met many people that were involved and I met people that were involved in IRA um, violence as well as as well as loyalist violence, and um, was believe it or not, there was a certain code of ethics. I know I know that sounds probably hard to believe, and I'm no, not I think people need to hear it. Apologising for the IRA, I think they were a barbaric and monstrous organisation that should have been defeated, and they could have been defeated. That opportunity was missed. I think Sinn Fein are. are, are um, basically as bad politically as the IRA was when it came to violence. Um, the, they did have a code of, of ethics of a sort. I mean, if, if they, let's say, for example, they targeted you, Tom, and you were a British soldier and they were, they were going to target you with an under-vehicle booby trap, they would recce your, um, your location. They would make sure that it was you getting in the car. They would make sure you were getting in the car on your own. They would have to make sure that you got in the car three times on your own before they put a bomb under the car. So they would right. they were, 
that there so was, really was a code of conduct. Yes. Having said that, when we look at what happened in in Inniskillen, where they massacred um, nine or eleven um, innocent people, soldiers, nurses, civilians that were remem remembering Sunday, on that attack, they were also the same day. Believe this or believe this not, they were planning to target a boys' brigade parade, which is children between the age of five, sixteen. And we're going to bomb a boys' brigade parade on the same day. So, wow. even though wow. even though sometimes they would act ethically, obviously when you're planting bombs indiscriminately, there's nothing ethical about that. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, and they yeah. Would, they would, you know this this myth that they were an army. They were not an army. They were a terrorist organization made up of psychopaths, um, hate-filled anti-British bigots, and people that hated the British and hated. Um, the, the the union between Northern Ireland and the British so much that they were prepared to kill thousands of people. And the other thing we've got to remember is is that the IRA. I mean, one of the sickening things about the so-called peace process, and it's a terrible misnomer and misuse of, of, of language. But one of the terrible things about what I call the surrender process is that the vilification of the British Army. I mean, you mentioned Bloody Sunday. Bloody Sunday was one incident um, where I think twelve or thirteen. Um, nationalists were killed in in, in the bog side um again I, I really to be honest with you i don't know exactly what happened there i i i, I wasn't there on the ground the only people who know for sure what happened are the soldiers on the ground and the ira right. on the ground on that day but the, the, you you would think when you when you listen to the news and when you see the media coverage and this is again where the media is so twisted you would think that the only people ever killed anyone in the in the, in the troubles with the british army the british yeah. army i think I think killed about 450 people during the troubles. The IRA, as far as I can remember, I'm doing this just from memory, killed well over two and a half thousand people, maybe more than that. So, and arguably the, the British Army were in an impossible position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I was I was on a foot patrol in Belfast uh, one one evening, and I came out of um I can't remember an army base. And as I came out of an army base, an IRA man ran across my Danny. Uh, a, an IRA man ran across the, 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 the waste ground in front of us with a rifle, balaclava and a combat jack on. We didn't have time to engage and shoot that target. He, 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 I mean, he doesn't know how lucky he was. Wow. It was just the timing. It was literally a split second thing. If, if we'd have been there a minute earlier, we'd have had him in our sights and we'd, we'd have been able to engage him and shoot him. Now, wh whenever he disappeared into the, into the, into the ether and, and we followed up afterwards, um, we couldn't find him. He'd, he'd gone. He'd, he disappeared. If we'd have shot him, if we'd have shot him, he was about 200 yards away. If we'd have shot him and killed him, by the time we'd have got to his body, the balaclava would have gone. The G3 rifle that he was carrying would have gone. And the mantra would have been that we just shot an innocent villain. Wow. And, and without a doubt, we would have been getting investigated by the historical inquiries team. Now, that's that's not something... That I've heard about. That's something that I experienced. Um, I'll give you another example. A friend of mine was in an OP um, in in Belfast, um, watching a hijack, a hijacker bus, and he had a sniper rifle. He had the, he had beads on this guy. The guy had a balaclava and a handgun. Exactly the same situation. He, the, the target wasn't engaged because we knew that if he'd have been engaged, by the time the police or the army had got there. The mask and the gun would have gone. So the, the idea of a, of a, of a um, you know, a, of a gung-ho shoot to kill policy where soldiers were shooting people willy-nilly for nothing is, is complete mythology. 
Well, did some soldiers no, make mistakes? Of course. It was it was a thirty year yeah. conflict. I think we had something like hundred thousand soldiers um, through the streets yeah. of Northern Ireland. Did some soldiers get it wrong? Absolutely. Did they deliberately get it wrong? Some of them, possibly. Who knows? But the reality is, the vast majority of soldiers that served in Northern Ireland served with discipline, with fire control discipline. They, they they didn't shoot when they could have shot, even within the rules of engagement. And this this vilification of, of the British Army in Northern Ireland is a rewriting of history by leftists, by the leftist media, mm-hmm. and of course by by Irish Republican terrorists and their and their sympathizers. So I that's got some, because I think some of the revulsion towards towards the the um the military in general of, of any host country that seems to be going around the world at the moment. Um, it's also a kind of naivety as as to the reality of what has to be done, as opposed to how these people view the world. Um, exactly. I, I've heard it expressed before, and and again, I, I'm one of the good reasons to be able to talk to you about this because I'm I'm not up to scratch on this subject, and I should be. Um, but I've always sort of been led to believe that Blair and a mixture of Blair and Clinton was what really was what enabled the, the surrender process to happen. Yeah, yeah. Basically what happened was when when, um, when Margaret Thatcher was 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 ousted um, from Downing Street by by the Euro fanatics and the Tory party, and, 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 you know, we got John Major as prime minister. Of course, it was John Major that took us into the European Union. John Major's got off scot-free. I mean, a lot of people talk about Tony Blair being, being a, a traitor and, and, and betraying the nation, and, and I believe that's absolutely true. But, but John, Major, John Major was was the precursor to, to Tony Blair. John Major was a globalist, still is. Um, John Major railroaded the United Kingdom fully into the European Union. Um, yeah. He all the treaties, and John Major was the architect of the of the so-called peace process or the surrender process that took place in Northern Ireland. And, and, and what John Major did was he he started a, a, a ball rolling that. Blair picked up and ran with and, and made it even worse. I mean, it was bad. What 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 uh, what Major did was bad, but what Blair did was a lot worse because when Major came to power, the security establishment was taking the fight to the IRA. The, the security establishment, um, as, as far as I'm led to believe, I'm not going to name the people, but there, there were people within certain groups on, on the loyalist side that were working for the security establishment to a certain agenda to to basically um, challenge the IRA and, and put the IRA on the back foot. Um, now, I've been told that again by very good sources. I'm not going to name the people. The people that are involved now are dead. But um, I, I've been reliably informed that those people were working for the security for, forces and they were they were called the tip of the spear and they were really taking the fight to the right. to the IRA. And it was exactly the same with the SAS, the undercover soldiers um, of, of Fru and Fourteen Intelligence Company, and RUC Special Branch, and the, and the special police units as well. They were they were they were offensively targeting the IRA, so that the IRA had absolutely no room to manoeuvre. I'll give you an example: the leader of the IRA's internal security unit was a man called Freddie Scapatici, and his code name was State Knife. And his boss was a guy called John Joe McGee. John Joe McGee was a member of the Special Boat Service. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. We know that Scapatici was working for the British state, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that his, his boss was also working for the British state as well. So you had the men that were in charge of internal security, in other words, in, 
interrogating people they believed to be informers and then shooting them. And they were both working for the British state, along with other people in that unit, like Brendan Davison, who was, uh, who was working for, for RUC Special Bank. So the whole of the IRA was completely, was completely compromised and gutted, if you like. Um, Tony Blair comes along and um, the Belfast <laughs> was, was basically wrung out of um, the Unionist parties in, in, in Northern Ireland. The DUP stood against it. Ian Paisley um, very bravely stood against it and was roundly condemned and vilified. And to my shame, I was, I was convinced by the by the, the the nonsense that Blair that Blair talked and, and different you know unionist politicians in, in Northern Ireland talked. I I signed up to the Good Friday Agreement. I, I voted for it when they, when we had a referendum similar to you know, similar to the Brexit referendum. And it's something like got carried by about seventy percent of the population. I deeply regret um, basically voting, and that's one of the reasons I actually became involved in politics when I realised how much of a betrayal the Good Friday Agreement was. Wow. We were Tony Blair wrote a letter to, to the people of Northern Ireland. It's published in the newsletter where he said, um, not one prisoner would be released from prison. Now, these were mass murderers. These were IRA mass murderers. These IRA men that were in prison were not freedom fighters. They were mass murderers. They planted bombs that killed children. They killed off-duty policemen and soldiers and their wives yeah. and children. These were mass psychopathic murderers and we were told by Blair talk about Tony Blair lying he wrote a letter it's published in the newsletter he said not one prisoner will be released until all of the weapons of the IRA are given up within a year of that agreement being signed all of the prisoners were out it took 10 years to get the IRA supposedly decommissioned and people knew didn't they when he made that promise people knew that one way or another, that wasn't going to be kept. Well, I mean, you know, I was foolish. I believed it. I actually, that was back when I used to believe in, used to believe that that, that uh, British politicians um, told the truth. But obviously, you know, fast forward, um, fast forward 30 years and we, we, we know what a barefaced liar um, Tony, Tony Blair was. And of course, all of this was part of devolution, which, which whether it's Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland, has been designed and this is where we need to get, you know, kind of fast forward away from, from the troubles. The, the whole process of devolution has been designed to destroy the United Kingdom. And Sorry. Yeah. No, no go on ahead, Tom. You want to say something? I was just going to say, so, so if we then turn our attention by what some might can call, and I deliberately leave out the word Nazi here, but what some might call the continuation of Germany by other means, um, i.e. Europe, Yep. Um, three strikes you're out, Richard, um, and um, and obviously the, the I, I don't know if you've ever seen, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen them draw the United Kingdom on a map, but they generally don't include Wales or they'll just cut, cut Scotland. It, it's yeah. very it's very disrespectful the way that it's done. Yeah. Um, but so now with them stepping in with the Northern Ireland thing. Um, with sorry, the Northern Ireland thing, you know, we obviously, well, we, yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I guess if we fast forward, we'll fast forward about 30 years because what I want to do there was set the scene and, 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 and for viewers in England that, that aren't aware of the full situation in Northern Ireland, yeah. the, the, the people, the, the, the good people of Northern Ireland 
I was, I was, I was saying, you know, that that, that I heard a, another ex-soldier use when he was making a speech, and he said, he said, "I'll stand with anyone that stood against the IRA," and that's very much my mantra. So it doesn't matter what your religious background, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you're a Catholic um, from the Falls Road and you stood against the IRA, well, then I'll stand with you. If you're still standing against the IRA, I'll still stand. With you. Um, but the, the 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 reality is that what's happened in the last. 18 months the way the the european union have, what's happened is basically the european union is has annexed part of the united kingdom yes. i mean yes. do you remember when putin went went trundling into crimea and annexed crimea do you remember the scandal and the uproar and everybody yeah. was was, yeah. Um, you know, was good. well what the european union is trying to do is trying to split up the united kingdom it's it's i believe deliberately and and with the complete um what should we say um and full support complete and full support of Sinn Féin of the SDLP of of the Alliance Party which I believe is a is a closet Irish Republican party now anyway so the Alliance Party Sinn Féin the SDLP and the Irish government have conspired with the European Union to mm -hmm. annex Northern Ireland that's how serious this is I, I agree and 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 it, it became very very clear that Boris Johnson did not have a clue, did not have a clue that this was the case because when he made that agreement with Leo Varadkar, I mean Leo Varadkar must have kissed the Blarney Stone before he met uh, Boris Johnson, and then goodness knows he must have kissed Boris because Boris seemed very very amorous with him, you know. Um, yeah. So, so, so Leo Varadkar um, basically said to Boris. Unless you unless you go with this protocol, there's going to be violence in Northern Ireland. Um, there's going to be a border between North and South, and, and it's going to be your fault. And there's going to be bloodshed and this dreadful picture. But my question, my question to to Leo Varadkar would have been a very simple one: If the IRAs decommission the weapons, and and we're told that the the dissident Republicans are tiny little splinter groups, who's going to do the fighting? That's the first question I would have asked Leo Varadkar: Who's going to do this violence? So the IRA so, supposedly totally signed up. Absolutely. I use I use Sinn Fein and IRA as intermingled terms because, as as I think it was Margaret Thatcher said, they are inextricably linked. They're joined. Yeah. At the yeah. Sinn Fein and the IRA. Is there is is there a difference, or is it just that one's one's the political face, one's the military yeah. face? I mean, it's political. You know, Sinn Fein are the political wing, but Sinn Fein do what the IRA Army Council tell them to do. Right. Army Council is made up of terrorists who are right. blood on that. And, and Sinn Féin does their bidding, does their political bidding. That's the structure of the, and that, that you know, that's that's not me saying that, that's what MI5 will tell you. And, it, and is there still, sorry to just regress a little bit, but just, just from a, a people perspective, is there still religious tensions and, uh, and things in uh, Northern Ireland and that now, or, or is that part eased down somewhat? Well, Probably not so much religious tensions. I mean, there never were, really were religious tensions. It was more. Right, was that know, just the excuse? It was, it was about identity. You know, right. I mean, we, we we kind of invented identity politics before it was, and that's why that's why I'm so against identity politics because it's so dangerous. Um, yeah. But you know, the the reality of the situation is that um, it's it's whether people believe in. Um, you know, United Ireland and 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 have a have a you know associate themselves with the Republic of Ireland, whether people 
um, believe in the United Kingdom and associate themselves with the United Kingdom. That's what the conflict's about. It's about national identity. Of course, religion is kind of tied up in that, but nowhere near as much as it used to be. And, and, and now there's a lot of people that would, would not really identify as either. But the, the problem that we've got with the with the protocol is one it 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 cuts northern ireland off for the rest of the united kingdom okay where do you live tom where's your where's your your southampton so i'm dead okay. of the country right at the very south can you imagine if 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 um let's say france um had a, had a had a, a claim on southampton and and after brexit you were told nobody in southampton could get soil now think about this you couldn't get soil from anywhere else in the United Kingdom into Southampton without it being checked at the border. If, I, if, I, if the soil comes in, it's not going to be allowed in. Um, you, you're, you're not allowed to, to bring guide dogs in. If you're if you're a blind person in Northern Ireland, you cannot bring a guide dog in. My first reaction would be to wonder what the hell we've done so wrong to be treated absolutely. that way. Absolutely, absolutely. And the the to I mean the anger. The anger on the ground amongst loyalist people, to say it's at boiling point would be an underestimation now. But you see, one of the things you've got to understand as well about Northern Irish um, unionists and, and the, the, the Protestant unionist loyalist community, on the whole, they're fairly law-abiding. They work hard. Um, they, they, they love Britain. They, 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 they love the United Kingdom. They very much feel just as much a part of the United Kingdom as... as, as in fact, probably more so than half the inhabitants of London, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's even that's probably an understatement. Yeah, you know, you know, because you know, we've been British for 300 years, not for three minutes, you know. But yeah. um so, so the reality the reality is that the, the people of Northern Ireland are extremely patriotic, extremely proud of the country, and and um you know. When they get backed into a corner, when loyalists and unionists get backed into a corner, and I count myself as part of that community by marriage, um, not by birth, um, but when we get backed into a corner, um, the anger that boils up, I get enraged, and I'm an Englishman, but I get enraged at the treatment of the people of Northern Ireland by the, 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 the government in Westminster, by the government in Dublin, by the European Commission, and by the 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 the, the diabolical um, politicians in Sinn Fein, IRA, the SDLP, and the and, and the Alliance Party, who are who are anti-British extremists. These people hate the yeah. British. They hate yeah. the British state. They're quite happy to take money from the British state, but they hate the British state. They hate, the they hate that flag behind you, Tom. They hate it with passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, they do. And people people don't realise as well that this hatred of that of that has been going on that was going on during world war ii from the left wasn't it yeah it's not new it's not new it's not new at all it's not new at all and and we've also got to remember that the the, the ira collaborated with the nazis during the second world war um no. you know, and and you know we talk about nazis the, the the ira um were classed themselves as nationalists and they cast themselves as socialists as do the sdlp well the last the last lot of people that call themselves nationalists and socialists as far as I remember, it didn't end up too well, did it? That's you know, right. That's right. It should have been the lesson of the 20th century. Exactly. Exactly. So, 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 so you've got now. Sorry. The, do you know something, Tom? The only acceptable bigotry in the United Kingdom is hatred of the British. 
that's the reality. Absolutely. If you're, yes. If you're, if, if you're that little sniveling little worm that you know across the, across the border up in up in Edinburgh, that 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 creature that looks like um, a, a, an emaciated version of the Crankies, um, of Jimmy Cranky, what's her name? Sturgeon. Sturgeon. She's yeah. Driven, she is not driven by a love for Scotland. She is driven by a complete loathing for anything that is English. She I was going to say. To, 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 to sell your country out to Europe to to get away from Britain, you're not looking for independence. You're looking for something else. Exactly. And to me, that is based on hatred. And I will say to you, a lot of the people I've spoken about this other day, a lot of the people who live in Scotland have reached out by our channel and said, yep. this is the government's view. Please Absolutely. Don't, please don't, you know, because... <laughs> This is the crux of the issue, right? And it's exactly the same in, in Northern Ireland and in the, I have friends, I have friends in the Irish Republic that were once in Sinn Féin. They were in Sinn Féin as, as um, in, involved in Sinn Féin. I can't say what the areas because it'll put them in danger. But these yes. people are so angry with Sinn Féin because Sinn Féin used to be a Eurosceptic party, as did the SNP. Because how can you have an independent country that is then swallowed up by the European superstate, by people that don't even speak the same language as you, that don't use the same currency as you, and they want yeah. to swallow your country and take your country over. And then you call that independence. And that, that's, yeah, exactly. That's not independence. What that yeah. is, is selling you birthright because of your bigotry. That's what they're doing. The, 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 the Irish Republicans <coughs> who support the Europe. Now, if you're an Irish Republican, and you don't support the European Union. You want a gen. You want a genuine, independent island that's free of control from um, from Britain and from the European Union. I don't agree with you, but at least you you're keeping your integrity. You want it's to. An honest, yeah. now, it's an honest. Yeah. It's an Exactly. Now, what these people are doing is they want to break free from the United Kingdom to be swallowed up by a European superstate. That is not accountable, that is not democratic, that is going to take away your rights and, and is going to recruit your sons and your daughters into a European army to go and face off with Russia. Now, to me, that's not Scottish independence and that's not Irish independence. And it's certainly not Welsh independence either. So so these people, these 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 so-called nationalists in Scotland, in Ireland and in Wales, they are not driven by love of country. They are driven by hatred, pathological hatred of the British. Yeah. In that's, that's everybody that identifies as British. They are driven by a pathological hatred of unionists and loyalists in Northern Ireland. In Scotland and Wales, it is driven by a pathological hatred of the English people. And it's reprehensible because... For years, for years, we lived together in peace. Until devolution, we lived together in peace, in harmony. The United Kingdom was a great, free country until we joined the European Union and until we signed up to devolution, because that's all part of the plan to destroy the, the United Kingdom. And what I would always do when I, make, when, I, when I do these feeds, I would appeal to the good people of Scotland, the people that I know in Scotland that love Scotland. Yes, they're proud Scotsmen. Know something? They love the United Kingdom. It's exactly the same in Northern Ireland. My friends that are Northern Irish, that they they love Northern Ireland, 
they love the United Kingdom. And, and that's yeah. who we yeah. all joined together and joined forces. And, and this is what I would say to English viewers. Um, please, English viewers, do not go down the road of petty nationalism. Don't sign up to the nonsense that the English Democrats are pumping out because it's in mirror image of what the Scottish Nationalists are doing and what the Sinn Féin IRA and the SDLP and the Alliance Party are doing in um, in, in in Scotland, Northern Ireland, and obviously Plaid Cymru in, in, in Wales. So I would say to my English friends, stand with the people of Ulster because this is our greatest yes. this is our greatest time of need for 30 years without a shadow of doubt. We are we are under a huge threat to be swallowed up by um, by a United Ireland. It's 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 it, it's palpable because once they have separated us from the rest of the United Kingdom in terms of it's trade, it's it's it is a constitutional change, and it's against. I mean, it's against the very Good Friday Agreement that Blair yeah. and 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 his minions got us all to sign up to. So it's even against. A lot of people threaten that threaten that 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 breaking yeah. of that agreement will yeah. be what really sets things off. Absolutely. Um, now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. I know that the, the, the anger in, among loyalist people in Northern Ireland, I know it's going to blow up. It's as simple as that. It's going to, it's going to kick off. Yeah. And, and it, unless they get rid of the protocol, it's going to kick off massively. And I right. don't know what happens to end. I'm not involved in, in, um, in, in loyalist paramilitarism, you know, but it is going to kick off. There's no doubt about it. Something is going to happen. Something has to happen to put pressure on the government. Um, and I'm not advocating violence at all. I don't want to see violence. No, no. I've always advocated for lawful and, and peaceful protest to to defeat these things. And this is where this is where when this this protocol was first signed up to way back in 2019, we had protests. I was outside Downing Street with a, with a banner saying, keep the get the EU out of Ulster. We had street protests in London and we had patriots in London. And. and and it filled me with pride that there was Englishmen who would stand yeah. outside Downing Street, being harassed by the by the the Metropolitan Police, but they were they were veterans and they were they were civilians, Englishmen, proud, patriotic Englishmen standing with the people of Northern Ireland. And we actually had a day where we had a we had a demonstration outside the EU Commission in Belfast. We had a demonstration outside the EU Commission in Wales. We had one in Scotland, and we had one in London. All on the same day, and 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 people from those those four countries that make up the United Kingdom stood together against this diabolical protocol. And I I would I would just ask people of England that are watching this start mobilising. We know who's responsible for this. Michael Gove, um, the Northern Ireland Secretary. Um, forget his name. It, it escapes me now. The Northern Ireland Secretary. I, I can I can. Give you his name and you can put it in the in the um in the in the comments afterwards and of course Bumble and boris are responsible for this so it's gove brandon lewis gove brandon lewis and boris who are responsible for this in terms of the british government i want to mobilize people in england in their constituencies once lockdown's finished i don't get people arrested for breaking lockdown but once lockdown's finished i want to mobilize people in england and i want to ask my friends in england who've stood with me on all these demonstrations stand with us on this and let's get some demonstrations outside the constituency offices of Michael Gove, uh, Brandon Lewis, which is Great Yarmouth. Uh, Michael Gove is, Gove is somewhere in Surrey, and goodness knows where Boris has managed to get himself elected. 
get outside their constituency offices, make as much noise as you possibly can. We can get banners printed, we'll get them down to you and, and embarrass these Tories in front of their constituents and show them for what they are. They are Lundies, they are traitors. They might have got some form of Brexit, but it's no Brexit at all. If we lose Scotland, then we lose Northern Ireland. That's not Brexit if the United Kingdom gets 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 split up. Speaking of Brexit, when the big the news story for a lot of it was about the Northern Irish borders and that, and I always felt like of all the issues, I felt like that that they. Let me start again. Was it a warning sign all the way back then that of all the things that they found to have a problem with, it was the borders with Ireland? Was that a warning sign of what the EU's mindset was to come? And, and is this all about, again, just, just creating a socialist agenda? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I think, I think what, the EU, what the EU did was very, very sinister. Um, devilish. Very, very, sorry, very what? Sorry. Very sinister and very devilish because what they did was they weaponized the border. Now you've got to understand the, the British government had no intention, had no intention of putting a hard border in Northern Ireland. There's never been a hard border in Northern in Northern Ireland. Yeah. People talk about a hard border during the troubles. I was on the border during the troubles, and I was in watchtowers and OPs that were on the mountains in South Armagh. And the reason those watchtowers were there was to stop terrorists bringing bombs across the border, um, attacking innocent farmers, uh, uh, Protestant farmers along the border and assassinating soldiers and policemen. So the watchtowers were there to protect the border from terrorists coming across from the South of Ireland. If there was no terrorist problem, they wouldn't, those watchtowers would never been there. And those watchtowers weren't built until the, 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 the early 80s. And they were right. Right. So there was no hard border. And there wouldn't have been a hard border in 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 uh, between Northern Ireland and the Irish Republic as a result so of Brexit. It was fear. It was fear. The only people that would have put a border there were the European Union. We weren't going yeah. to put a border there. It was the EU to protect their blessed single market. And, and this is why we've got the border down the Irish Sea. Now Boris Johnson has caved on this, and what unfortunately. Unfortunately, what has to happen to put this right is there has to be such chaos and mayhem created right the way throughout these islands in mainland UK. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about street protests yeah. and yeah. civil disobedience. There needs to be mass street protests and civil disobedience, not just in Northern Ireland. It needs to happen in the United Kingdom as well. Yeah. Yeah. People in the United Kingdom, in, in England and Scotland and Wales, that are, that are patriots, have got to realise that this, if, 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 if the protocol is allowed to stay, then that is the first step. It is the first nail in the coffin of the United Kingdom. It is the Trojan horse to destroy the United Kingdom. So it's not just Northern Ireland that's threatened by this. The whole of the United Kingdom is threatened by this. And what you'll end up with is England, outside of the EU, surrounded by a socialist Scotland, a socialist Wales, a Northern Ireland that will be in chaos, um, and all you'll be left with is a rump of England, and that will be the United Kingdom. That will be what we got from Brexit. Now, that's not what I voted for when I voted for Brexit. Yeah. I voted I mean, for Brexit when I looked at, I mean, obviously we've seen rejections from well, Brexit. Yeah, all of it. I, I, I gathered that, you know. 
Oh, <laughs> all have been wrong, but but when I uh, when I nevertheless when I look at um, Scotland, they've got to do a minimum bunch of things, including the size of their economy, even to qualify. Um, yeah. They're one of those countries that would probably be hardest done by by by, by joining. To be to be frank, um, I do think that we I do think that England needs to be careful in as much as I think that. If we end up finding ourselves in a position, you tell me what you think. If, if we find ourselves in a position where somebody is leaving, I think that we need to look at the mistakes of the European Union and treat them with proper respect, say thank you, and invite them back at any time. Um, I think if you know, if you look at the way the European Union treated us from day go of leaving. Um, even recently, with the, the, them in, interfering with the, you know, with Northern Ireland and that, even remains have turned on them, and the, and they've seen them. And I think that, that it'd be it's important. I'm a unionist as well, by the way, Richard. So I truly believe in our brothers and sisters, Welsh, Irish, Scottish. I don't care. We've got a lot of hatred that's happened between us for a thousand years of blood. It's a beautiful, complex history, and it's brought us to this point. So I'm I'm very for it, and now I've lost my question. <laughs> no, I, I get what you were saying. I mean, basically, what what you were saying was should we treat them with with respect? And absolutely, because the reality yeah. the reality is, um, I I friends that are Scottish nationalists. You know, I, I've worked with people who are Scottish nationalists. I, I um, my ex boss was a Scottish nationalist. My brother in law is a Scottish nationalist. So I, I have friends and family who are, are Scottish nationalists. I vehemently disagree with them on the political issue, and they know that. I mean, I'm as frank with them as I am with you. And uh, obviously saying that to your boss can get yourself into all sorts of hot water. Um, but the, the, the reality is <clears throat> that what we've got to do, and this is very important, I think, is it, 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 throughout all these, these component parts of the United Kingdom, Boris is never going to do it. Boris is not going to win the argument. I mean, it's some bumbling Etonian coming up to Scotland and saying, "Oh, what are you talking That's about?" Never going to wash. You know, it's not going to. It's not going to. It's not going to wash it. Um, yeah. What we need to do is a grassroots level. We need to win the argument. Yes. And the argument yeah. for staying in the United Kingdom is extremely strong. Um, now, Northern as well, would you say that it's much more even that there's 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 ground to be won there that will make all the difference? Yeah, sure. There, there is, absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, I come across <coughs> probably as a rabid extremist, so I'm probably not the right person to go and argue the, the, um, the case <laughs> of the, um, the, um, the union. Um, but the, the reality is that the, the argument for the union is so strong and and yeah. we've, got to, we've got to, at a grassroots level, persuade people that they're far better staying in the UK than leaving. I agree. That will be extremely difficult in Northern Ireland because of the tribal nature of Northern Ireland. It's the people in the middle ground that we've got to persuade. And this is the danger as well. I mean, this is the danger if there is, if there is actual violence. And that's why I'm saying we, what we need in Northern Ireland is peaceful, democratic, civil disobedience. We need to go down the Martin Luther King Jr. route, not down the IRA Root of of, yes. of yes. Yes. problem out. So we we've got to persuade people first of all that we can 
go and picket places. If you don't like a political party and its policies, go and picket the thing. Stand outside it, make some noise, you yeah. know, yeah. make a nuisance of yourself. But you don't need to get involved in burning or shooting or bombing. You don't need to. Yeah. You know, there's a lot in, can be done. It's an instant fast track to third world country. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Having said that, obviously there's 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 a there's a long history of political violence um in Northern mm -hmm. Ireland. So that's the default setting. Yeah. Um, I have no influence. I'm a commentator. I have no influence over what people do. All I can do is give my commentary and my analysis to people in England and anybody that's watching to say, listen, why don't we try doing it this way? Why don't we try mass numbers on the streets, peacefully protesting, you know, marching to areas of contention and, 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 and basically making a nuisance of ourselves, but not getting involved in and violence. And that, that's... That's, I think, you know, once lockdown's over, that's the way to... Yeah. to I, I think it's important that, that, that you, with the knowledge that you've got, make this point, because, as I said to you, I've spoken to people uh, in Scotland, for instance, who, who said to me, you know, we love English, don't be buying into, you know, what, what you're hearing. And I think that the English have been bombarded over, I don't know, let's just say the last decade, with the idea that we're hated uh, universally by the Welsh, by the Irish, by the Scottish. Um, the reality is, a good lot of them do hate us. That's the, that's the sad truth. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Or else, or else the nationalist parties wouldn't get such a big vote. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One, the, the hardcore nationalist, the hardcore Irish Republican IRA supporter, the hardcore uh, SNP supporter, the hardcore. Pride Cymru. I mean, I, I was I was in a in a pub in Wales um, a few months ago do, doing a doing a job for the movement, and uh, and and basically um, I was in there with a couple of colleagues that we, we were up, uh, shooting some some footage, and um, the people in the pub were the most obnoxious, bigoted, violent right. ever come across in my life. They they were just unbelievable. They spoke Welsh the whole time deliberately because you know that they, they, they knew that we were English and that you know that you know. But it seemed, it seemed, it was like that. You know, you know, American Werewolf in London, where where yeah, yeah, yeah. two yeah. guys walk yeah. into the pub and and what they come up, Danny, what Brian Glover standing there and he, he looks at them and says, yeah. "You made me miss." It was kind of like the whole place went quiet, you know. Uh, but, uh, anyway, but yeah. So I mean, the reality is there is a lot of bigotry, and that needs to be challenged. Because if it's not acceptable to be anti-Irish, which it isn't, it's, it's wrong to, to. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, right. It's wrong to hate people because of the colour of the skin or the religion. Absolutely, it's wrong to do that. But it's also wrong to hate somebody because they're British or English. Absolutely. Is it is it fair to say? Is it fair to say? And I'm asking because I only don't know. I honestly don't know. But but trying to play devil's advocate, not for violence, but for for other other arguments that have been made. Is it fair to say that? Um, the British Parliament, especially when you consider that Labour had a good strong hold in uh, Scotland at one point, is it fair to say that the British Parliament have let these countries down and have made things worse? Yeah, I, I, well, I think I think what they've done, they've allowed. I think devolution was a massive. I think Boris is right about that. Boris said a few months ago that devolution is a massive mistake. He's absolutely right about that. Um, what what would we have done instead of devolution? Well, of course, one of the problems you had in Northern Ireland is that, that Sinn Féin, because of the hatred of the British, wouldn't return any any MPs to uh, to Parliament. 
Right. Um, yeah. So the only way they could get representation was was in Stormont, and obviously even them sitting in Stormont, they they, they do it, you know, holding holding the noses. But I think yeah. devolution. I think devolution. I would like to see it come to an end. To be quite honest, we I'd like to see just direct representation and strong representation in the UK Parliament, and um, strong arguments for for funding and and, um, and support for the the economies. Right the way. I mean, I, I think Boris's tunnel is a good idea. It's interesting the shrill voices that are that are that are screaming that Boris's tunnel, you know, Boris's tunnel between Scotland and, and Northern Ireland is a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. But as well as you think it's a, I haven't thought much about this. You think it's a great idea? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I think I think because what it does, it it, it it creates a physical a physical um, link between between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom, which is which is fantastic as far as I'm concerned. Now, however. Before they even think about doing that, they need to get rid of the protocol. They need to get rid of this protocol, which is basically annexing us to the EU. And that's what yeah. this is. And, and, yeah. and this needs to be needs to be put aside. Um, another arrangement needs to be needs to be done. We can't have that. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? We can't have that. Um, we just can't have that happening. It's, it, it can't be. It can't be allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm sorry. I just noticed. Um, by the way, uh, no, I, actually, I'll save that for later. Um, I've just noticed sort of, time's ticking away, and there was something, there was something, well, there was a couple of things I wanted to ask, but something I wanted to make sure that I asked you because it's a question that I'm stuck on. Um, from my own observations, from my own lifetime, you know, and from uh, reading some of Douglas Murray's work as well, all mixed together, um, I was a person that used to. I'll be honest with you, detest organised religion. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm now all pro-organised religion, but I do realise that perhaps my zealousness was, overzealousness was was uh, careless. And um, I realise now that, that for multiple reasons that we can't go into now, it would just take too long. There are certain people that, that may need religion, if nothing else, just from a practical point of view. And I look at the church and I think if the church had had the strength that it had even 100 years ago, there'd be no mosques in this country. Um, I look at a lot of the things that the, 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 like the, we, we come away from Europe so that we feel more sense of self again, more sense of identity again. But again, I feel that people have lost that through religion as well. So the question I was going to ask you, regardless of my own feelings about religion, is this has made me really think, you know, is it possible? Obviously, religion has, like Reformation, has to be, uh, what's the word, relatable to the time. But can religion be, I don't know what the right word is, can it be um, reignited? Can it be, um, can religion be rebuilt in this country? Uh, religion that does that isn't Islam, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really, really good question, Tom. And it's to me i mean i'm i'm you know i i'm not coming at this and saying i'm a great example of of, of religious faith because i'm not i'm a very very weak failed christian i believe I, I actually believe all of it i believe you know i believe what's written in the bible i you know i i, I believe in 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 the deity of jesus christ i believe in in, in, in the death of christ on the cross and i believe in the resurrection i believe it all literally i'm not you know, I'm I'm a biblical literalist. My my big problem is living it, not not, not believing it. But um, 
and again, as a bad example of Christianity, I feel I feel almost I've disqualified myself from from talking about this. Well, I don't think you're, I don't think you're alone there. I think that probably there'd be more more Christians that would be on your your yeah. side of the the truth if, if they would be yeah. honest, you know. So, but but I think that I think the question is is. And I don't got to remember Douglas Murray is a lapsed Christian. He he's basically a, he he claims to be an atheist now. I I, I personally there's atheist Steve. I doubt that. And I, I I've had this discussion with Steve and uh, and I said I don't believe in atheists. You know, and that's what I always say to atheists. I don't believe. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe atheists exist. I like that. I like that. Uh, but but put that aside. Put that aside. Most sensible, rational atheists that I know and speak to, and some people I'm very close to, maybe yeah. be atheists. Would admit that the 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 what's called the Judeo-Christian heritage of the United Kingdom, which is basically based on the the the, the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, particularly the Protestant interpretation of those scriptures, are vital to the functioning of a of a of a proper civil society. And when you go through history, and yes, there's been a lot of blood spilled in the name of religion of all religions, and religious totalitarianism whether it's roman catholic totalitarianism which used to be in the middle ages or whether it's islamic totalitarianism like we like we see today is every bit as bad as as well maybe it's not as bad but it's it's almost as bad as communism and and, and nazism totalitarianism totalitarianism is wrong but what we had in england for many years was an amalgamation of sort of free church type people um reformed people, um, independent Pentecostals, um, Methodists, Church of England. And, and, and that was very, very strong, probably until about the 1950s. And, and for one reason or another, and obviously there's lots of, there's an uh, innumerable so, yeah, yeah. Why, it, why it faded and why it fell away. A lot of it, to, to, be, to be honest, a lot of it was to do with Roy Jenkins and his... Um, what he called the permissive society in 1967, which was yes, yes, making, making divorce easy, you know, um, sort of pro-homosexual legislation. I'm going to get vilified for that one. Pro-abortion legislation. Right. I'll be vilified for that one. But when when that swathe of legislation started taking foothold in the United Kingdom, and then of course you had contraception and so on and so forth, a lot of those moralities started to wither away now a lot of it was a false morality and it wasn't based in real true christianity it was a sort of you know wanting to look respectable and so on and so forth and in a way it's good that that's gone because you know there's, there's nothing worse than a religious hypocrite you know somebody that's that's pretending to be holy and living a, a, a good oh, life yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why I say I'm, I'm a lapsed christian i'm not living the life i should be life i should be living and i'm, I'm quite open about that I do want to get back to you know on a personal level. I want to get back to Christianity, yeah, but yeah, 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 I get that. I, I think as a as a nation, just as on a personal level, when you go away from Christianity, there are consequences. As a nation, when you go away from true biblical Christianity, there are consequences. And from what I can see, um, and and it's it's happening in the United States of America as well, which used to be a, an absolute hotbed of evangelical Christianity. And it's, Absolutely, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's moving, moving away from that at a rapid rate or not. And look at that. Look at what happened. Here's, here's the scary what... thing: is, is that that when you you look at the I've said this before, but not in this way. When you when you look at uh, the fall of all, most of the empires previous to our own, 
Um, one of the, I think, about six, seven signs of, of an empire about to fall is they lose their religion and then they will go into a state of spiritualism stroke depravity. Um, and then, then within 50 to 400 years, depending on, you know, uh, the, the, it will fall. Um, yeah. And we are entering that sort of stage or have been entering that stage for a while now, you know, with, with I suppose you could call it a global empire of sorts or the West or wherever you want to sort of draw the lines. But I think the West is the best way of putting it. The West is, oh, I think we've, uh, have we been kicked out? Have we? Uh, oh, we're back. We're back. Sorry. I don't know what happened there. Sorry right. about that. Yeah. No, I, I think, Tom, I think that's absolutely right. I think, I think, you know, turning back to, to 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 the Christian faith, specifically the Christian faith, and all that that means, and you know, one of the things that I think would be would be an interesting project is if every school child had to read the Bible and, and had to study the Bible, um, not not to be a Christian, but just to read those texts, particularly the New Testament, particularly the Psalms, the Proverbs um maybe the first you know the first few books of the, of the law you know genesis exodus that sort of yeah. thing to have to have a handle on on the faith that informed i mean we fought a civil war over over doctrine in the united kingdom the, the civil war was not just about the, the the position of the king it was about his interpretation of christianity yeah. he yeah. was yeah um anglo-catholic who was married to a, a roman catholic and of course cromwell was a was a reformed protestant we fought a civil war over that and um so just for people to be informed about our own history and about where we come from and about this is the thing is even the history the history and the religion is so intertwined you can't totally you can't, yeah and this is the problem if people don't have a fundamental fundamental understanding of christianity there's actually a very good book by tom holland um which i'd recommend to anyone it's called dominion and right. it's it's a massive undertaking to read the thing but if you read that book tom holland goes right the way back to um early christianity and shows the influence that christianity has had on all of, of, of um, Western civilization, right the way up until the present day, right the way up until, I mean, when you think about equality, equality is a fundamental, a fundamentally Christian virtue, because if, if you read the New Testament, um, Paul says there's, there's neither, slave nor, neither slave nor free, there's neither um, Jew nor Gentile, uh, you know, all, all are one in Christ, there's neither male nor female, all are one in Christ. So, so equality is, is fundamentally a Christian virtue. But what's happened with the identitarians is they've taken equality, they've perverted it, they've twisted it and made it into something it's made it into something it's not. True equality is a good thing. Yeah. You know, the fact that we can say we're not interested in the colour of your skin. The reason I say that is because the Bible says that. The, the Bible is a non-racist document. And, and anybody that tries to make yeah. out it's a racist yeah. document must be sniffing glue or, or smoking weed or something. It, it, Did you take a look at this uh, next comment on screen coming up now? Now, this is quite a, oh, hang on, sorry. It's quite a, a typical um, 
comment nothing new it's, there's nothing special about it in any way so normally i wouldn't highlight a comment like this but i I'm, I'm doing so for for a reason and that is let's just suppose for a moment that you're right and it's all fairy tales okay hmm. then for the intellectual class that's not going to be an issue they, they, they may, well, i'm not saying it's not going to be an issue but they will find other ways and it could be it could be argued that there are some there are some people like Sam Harris doesn't even believe in religion, but he does meditation every day. He believes in the spiritual aspect of being a human being. And the question is to someone that that, that thinks that way is even if even if the books weren't a hundred percent accurate, even if there were some fairy tales in them, what have, I talked to you before we came on air, uh, Richard, about how 10% of the world's population have an IQ of under 85. And they wouldn't even be employed at one time by the American army. Um, if these books were designed, especially try and look at them in their day, to, to distinguish right from wrong. So when you've got that kind of problem, um, is it is it such a... Is it such a good thing to make such flippant comments when actually those fairy tales may make a story and an ethic and a moral understandable to someone that might not normally understand it? Well, yeah, and sure. I mean, I think I think when when you when you hear that sort of thing, I mean, if 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 uh, if the gentleman that put that comment up there gets the chance, I, I recommend he goes and and uh, and reads the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he'll find out where where a godless society leads. I mean, if you if you read, you know, people talk about fascism well, and the Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis were dreadful. Yeah, There's no doubt yeah. about that. But communism, which was an atheist religion at its core, um, is so disgusting and despicable. The two atheist ideologies that filled more graves in the in in the twentieth century and probably in the, probably going on into the twenty first century if things keep going the way they're going. The two ideologies were atheistic ideologies. If you look at what Stalin did, you look at what Mao did, you look at what the, the current um, regime, excuse me, in uh, in China's doing, that's where atheism takes you. Look at North Korea, that's where atheism takes you. And, and could you make could you make the argument though that those that those countries, uh, North Korea being a, a great example, are are living deities? Well, North Korea is an interesting example because Korea, in the at the turn of the century before the uh, the communist, oh, a bit quiet. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, before the communists took power in 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 North Korea, Korea saw a great a relig Christian religious awakening, and um, now the the fellow that's um, what do they call the fellow that's Kim Il Sung? Is it is it Kim Il Sung the one that's 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 running the show now? Um, his great-grandfather, I believe, was a Presbyterian minister. So um, when you turn away from religion, what are you going to get instead? The, I mean, if we turn away from Christianity, for example, you're not going to be left without religion. Look at the amount of churches no, no. In country that are now no. mosques or Hindu temples. Some, the some religion in, in Britain is Islam. The fact that any religion is growing says there's a place for it. Absolutely. And now, obviously, a lot of it's grown by immigration and birth rates and that sort of, course, of thing. Of but there are people converting to Islam. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the, the, some very, very sad stories of some of the, the, the victims of, of, of grooming um, in certain towns up and down the country have, have converted to Islam, which I think is tragic. But yeah, everybody at some level has a deep yearning for love and has a deep yearning 
for belonging and has a deep yearning for what happens when I die. It's all right saying religion's fairy tales. But when, when you're lying on your deathbed, riddled with cancer, is your atheism going to help you? Is it going to bring you any comfort? Now, that's not whether, the, whether Christianity is true or not. Is atheism going to comfort the man or the woman that's writhing in agony on their bed um, with cancer? Certainly no person that could believe it. It could, surely, surely. I'm, just comes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now, when people say religion is a fairy tale, um, and again, I don't want to get sort of too deep into theology. I mean, I, I basically studied the scripture for 20 years um, I, and I, I didn't just study the Bible. I, I studied the, the background to the Bible, you know, a, a lot of apologetics, um, a lot of attacks on Christianity. So I, I had a pretty good handle on 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 um, all the arguments. And one thing I do know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to labor the point because there's no point um, in it, this isn't really the platform to do it. But most scholars of the Bible now, something that people are outside of that sort of world won't realize. A lot of people study the Bible that aren't believers. So there's a lot of atheist biblical scholars. They just look That's at it. Very, yeah, I can back that up. Yeah. It's a historical text, right? So, that, so they look at it as a historical text. Now, those scholars who have spent their life studying the, those, those ancient languages, studying those manuscripts, will tell you, this is what the vast majority of scholars, probably 80 to 90% of biblical scholars, whether they're believers or not, will say this. They'll say, first of all, they believe that a man called Jesus was crucified. They, they will they will attest to that. They will say that happened. There's no doubt about it. They will also attest to the being baptized by John the Baptist. And then they will they will then say that all the early believers fervently believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And 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 they do that from a, not from a, a point of view of faith as atheists like um, what's the fellow's name? Um, I forget his name now, but there's a very, very famous atheist scholar that used to be on American TV attacking, attacking Christianity. He was British guy. Do you mean Christopher Hitchens or? It wasn't Hitchens. No, no. This guy was a a scholar. Um, one of his books. I can't remember his name. Sam Harris. No, 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 no. Hang on, I'll try and find it now. Let's have a look. Oh, what's this guy's name? Hang on. Um, you know what? I haven't got time. I'll, I'll take me the next. That's, that's okay. That's okay. So, but do you? Point I'm making is it's not. It's not. You know, th this idea that that religion is for simpletons and idiots is is just not backed up by the by the truth. And some of the cleverest people I've ever met. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think I've met anyone outside of these circles that have, have been on the same level of intellect, have been very, very strong evangelical Christians um, mm. and, and very together people. I mean, I, you know, I don't I, I definitely don't class myself in, the, in that group. But there's, you know, so, so to say it's fairy tales, I would say, tell you what, go and read the texts, go and read the history. If you've done that and you still think it's a fairy tale, hey, that's up to you. Go and look at all the information before you make those sort of crass. And, and um, the thing is, well, is if anyone's saying, if anyone's saying it's, it's done like that for, you know, for idiots or whatever else, it's like, well, like you just said, hang on, there's a lot of people who are very intelligent that are, that are, that are very religious. Yeah. Um, the, the, the point with the stories is uh, that they're universal. 
that that being the point so and the intellectual can take it to perhaps another level perhaps they don't need to explain that way but the point is making the book universal isn't it absolutely and and i mean if if you don't take those those texts literally you know that's you know that's that's complete it's completely up to people i mean the, the reality is you know i've never wanted to force you can't force someone to believe i mean it's it's, it's something that happens um it's a supernatural occurrence. If if you if you I, I was an atheist. I, I didn't believe in God. Really? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, my, both my parents were atheists, and neither neither of them are now atheists. My dad was a um, was a university lecturer. Um, how long? How long? Is that, mommy, Pardon? How long? How long have you been religious as opposed to not? Oh, um, since uh, nineteen. Let me get this right. Nineteen ninety six. Right. Okay. Um, Okay. And I had a, I had what, what I can only describe as a supernatural experience, um, and I, I couldn't, I then couldn't deny that there was that that, that God was real. I mean, I I had a right. vision of a man being crucified. Now, you know, I, I've never had that since, um, but it happened three times over the space of I think three or four weeks, and um, I wasn't drinking at the time. I wasn't. I, I didn't do drugs, so you know, I just that's just you know. I just had this this vision of this man being crucified, and it woke me up, and I started reading the Bible, and and you know I believe in the same. I've always wanted to ask you about that actually. So yeah, yeah. So that was that's what 20, 20 something, twenty six, twenty six years ago, or something like that. Right. So right. Um, I like I like the fact that you've had an experience like that, but you don't come on and say, "Oh, I'm the perfect example of what happens afterwards." You know oh. that that. Is irritating to me because we all know that none of us, none of us are. It's See, the, fact that, the fact that you're willing to sort of say, you know, I believe this, but I think what you're trying to say in so many ways, I've got a long way to go to achieve it. Oh um, boy, is that what you're you know, saying? One hundred percent, Tom. I mean, I, you know, I, I you know, um, it's. I mean, the, the, I suppose the reality is the reality of all this is that it's it's impossible. Um, it's impossible to, to to basically um to live up to the standard that that's that that god set and, and that's the whole point of the christian gospel that basically christ has lived that life for for us and died for us and that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day in a nutshell that we can't live a perfect life we're we're fallen we're failed human beings and we continue you know, because when they try and pin him down on whether he's religious or not, I mean, I think he is, but yeah. he says, I, I choose to live my life um, as though God exists. Who's, who says this? Uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I live my life on the assumption that God exists, or I choose to live my life on the assumption that God exists. So he's not actually put himself out there, but you just, I mean, you get the sense when you look at his works, he probably is religious. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. like the way he's phrased that, and I like the way he's done that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think I think Jordan Peterson is a very interesting um, character because um, he, like you say, says he's not religious. Yeah, he spends a lot of time. He spends a lot of time talking about. I mean, he, he's done a whole series of lectures on the Book of Genesis. I mean, you know, yeah. so he, he spends a lot of time talking about the Bible and 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 you know, I I. I think he's, have you have you read Twelve Book of Rules to Life? I've, I've got it. I haven't have I read it. No, I haven't read it all. I, I read interesting it. for biblical references. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I must, I must actually go back to it again because yeah. I, I, it's one of those ones that you, you know, it's like a lot of books. You pick them up and you got you, you, you delve in and then you kind You've of. You've got to be in the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, and I think Douglas Murray's the same. I mean, I don't believe Douglas Murray's an atheist either. I just think he's, I think he's just. Uh, I think Douglas Murray is someone that maybe thought he was an atheist when he was younger. Maybe thought yeah. it was cool. I don't know which because obviously he kept the company of people like Peter Hitchens and stuff, right, but yeah. the more I see him in the debates and the more I feel like, the more and more I feel like he's got uh, an actual affinity for religion. Yeah, I well, I met him in Belfast and I I, I, um, I spoke to him very, very briefly about that and he was very, he was very, very gracious. Um, he didn't, right. uh, he, he wasn't, he wasn't antagonistic to what I had to say to him, you know, because, um, you know, he probably, he probably thought himself, who's this guy sort of um, saying, you know, you need to come back to God, you know. But, um, but no, I, you know, I think there's, I think Jordan Peterson, um, Douglas Murray and, and a lot of those commentators, they, they, they should be a bit more vocal because the reality is that if there was a turning back to Christianity, like you're saying, Tom, and, and, and I think you're very um, perceptive, um when you you know when you mention that that the country is better for having christianity uh, in its in its rawest form where it's it's like that you know in northern ireland when i first came to northern mm -hmm. ireland you know you'd walk down the street and someone would hand you a, a, a piece of paper with scripture verses on it yeah. and, yeah. and you, still today you can drive around northern ireland and nail to the trees are bible verses but, you know, you're driving down a road where there's been loads of car crashes and there'll be a Bible verse that says, prepare to meet thy God. And it used to be more like that. It used to be, you know, you couldn't get away from 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 Christianity and from the and, and Danny Roscoe and I were having a conversation the other day and it wasn't quite the same, but I do believe it overlaps. And it, it was that, the, you know, <clears throat> with certain, <clears throat> let's just say, religions and ideologies and beliefs, um, so let's say, in let's say this is I, some people say this is still a Christian country. Say in some sense, a secular country. Let's say it's still, still a Christian country. Um, you know, we were making the argument the other day that if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, put up with the rules of this country and the the, the philosophies, and everything else, if you see someone drowning. Oh, something's gone wrong with my phone. If you see someone drowning, one of the first things you're going to do is your instinct is going to make you want to go and save them. Yeah, and one thing we were talking about is that certain ideologies. Um, some of the people who interpret Islam the way they do would stop first and ask whether you're worthy to be saved. Mm. Um, and there, and that applies to other ideologies as well. Yeah. And yeah. so, when you I look mean, at what, what, what I would ask Tom, I would just ask if they're a member of Antifa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would go over, I would put my hand down and put my hand firmly on his head and pronounce the ironic blessing as I push him. <laughs> I was just trying to baptize him. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was. I was trying to find <laughs> water in 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 a, in, uh, in a trench of double. No, I've been flipping there, but I mean th that's absolutely true, uh, Tom. I mean, you know, th the reality is within 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 human beings, 
there, there should be that that you know whoever's whoever's um, whoever's drowning um, whoever's drowning you, you, you should be saving them whether it's uh, no matter what background he's from or no matter no matter no matter who he is uh, Thomas what if Islam if Islam is true we're all in trouble fella that's for sure yeah that, uh, and the other, the other thing is as well with, with Islam and I'll, I'll leave Richard to do the to do the hard work here but um the, the the thing with islam is islam was taken from the jews anyway uh it, it, it was a stolen religion uh that then got changed uh, as far as i'm aware is that is that right richard that's, that's absolutely i mean from 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 what we gather i mean you know again i'm not a scholar i'm not going to pretend to be a scholar because that, that gets a bit cringy when you, you pretend to know more than you actually than you actually know um but yeah few points about islam there's a few points about islam the first thing is we've got to look at you've got to look at the people who are the founders of those religions so if you look at jesus christ and and as he's revealed in the new testament because all we can go on is, is the books that we've got and what we've got what we've got uh, regarding christianity we've got the, the the books of the of the new testament so you've got the gospels and then you've got the epistles and you've got the the, the book of revelation right and if you look at jesus as he's revealed in the new testament He's loving, he's gentle, he's kind, he wants to heal people, he wants to raise the dead, he's self-sacrificial. Yes, he's coming back as, 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 as king and, and lord and judge in the book of Revelation. Right the way through that throughout the Bible, he, he is, he is um, quite openly portrayed as man and God. He's, he's, he's fully man and fully God. And also he's, he's portrayed as, as a loving God who cares for his creation and cares so much that he came down and became a human being right so that's that's jesus in a nutshell then you go to you go to the quran and you go to the hadith and you go to the um the other the biographies of muhammad and you met with a monster it's as simple as that now if if muhammad if muhammad is telling the truth and his god is the true god that we should all bow down and worship we're in big trouble because and the thing is, the books get worse as you go through them, don't they? It's not like it starts off bad and then ends up flowers. It's exactly. probably the other way around. It goes the other way around. I mean, you know, yeah. in, in, in Mecca is, 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 oh, let's be tolerant and let's let's all get along because he's in the minority and he's, he's, he's going to keep it quiet. He's going to keep it calm, just like, just like certain populations do when they come to other countries. They're going to keep it yeah. calm. They're in a position where they can challenge the ruling authority and 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 try and take over. Um, I mean, I, I I kept getting told by Muslims that not all again. I have to keep saying, but not all Muslims, buddy. It's the disclaimer generation we are. Um, mm -hmm. That that you know, um, well, you should ask the Jews what it was like living with Muslims X amount of years ago. They were happy, uh, and I didn't know what they were talking about. So when I went and looked at what they were talking about, what they were talking about was when they subjugated the Jews and made them a second class. Jimmy's right. Dimmy status. I mean, and this is the thing that people. Dimmy, yeah, Dimmy, yeah. Dimmy I mean, and it wasn't just the Jews. It was the it was the Jews and Christians. Jews and Christians actually get treated better by um, by the caliphate than the um, than the atheists and the and the polytheists and and people that believe in other religions because the Jews and Christians are allowed to become dimmies. The atheists, the polytheists, and all other religions, they have a choice. They either become Muslims or they die. Now, that's Sharia law. That's Islam. So, you know, 
if people want yeah. Islam to be true, if people prefer to have Islam rather than Christianity, I think they probably need to go and see the same psychiatrist that Muhammad should probably have gone to see. There's a pain. There's I mean, Muhammad, Muhammad believed he was mad. He actually believed he was mad. He, he, he wow. believed oh, yeah, yeah. Muhammad was going to kill himself because he believed he was demon-possessed. He believed demons were talking to him. Um, so he's a very confused... That's enough, that's enough reason to go, okay, no more. <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. this guy. And I mean, some of the stuff... I, mean, I, I used to sit down with a guy called Mufassal Islam. Um, Mufassal basically left Islam and then went back to Islam. I mean, he, he, he apostatized and now he's apostatized back into Islam. Oh, actually. wow. I didn't know that even happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but Mufassal would have sat and absolutely, Mufassal would be on, on live streams like this for me. And he would say, he would say, Richard, Muhammad was a rapist. He was a murderer. He was an wow. evil man. That's a guy that was, Mufassal was a Muslim scholar, right? He was, he, his, he, he, he went and did dawah, you know, Muslim uh, Islamic evangelism. He went and preached <coughs> um, about Islam all the way, all the way around um, India, Bangladesh, where, wherever he's from. So that was his job. He was an Islamic evangelist, and he would he would tell me some of the stuff that was in the Quran. It was bizarre about about Muhammad dressing in Aisha's clothes. You know that one. Muhammad used yeah. to dress in his nine in his in his nine year old child bride's clothes. He used to dress up in her clothes, and that used to get him aroused. According to Mufassal, and I'm led to believe that's in the Hadith. So you know if we if we compare like we're like, if you want to go and with this, like, people then try and say, oh, you know, try and say it's to its time. Well, there's a couple of things there. Mm. One, even for its time, it was unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing as well is that that book was said to be unchallengeable, was it not? Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people who I've had debates with about this, when I get onto the subject of Aisha, they they will go around it until they get lose their temper, and then then I say, how old was she? And then they in temper say, old enough. Mm, and that's yeah. where it all unravels. Old enough. And of course, so, this is a very fundamental thing. I mean, we, we're kind of we're kind of going off on a tangent, but I think it's a good chance. Sorry, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good because I, mean, I think this is a very, very interesting thing because um, the the massive problem that we've got with with certain sections of the of the Muslim community in the in the United Kingdom is is the grooming um, scandal. And people, you know, these academics and people in the home are scratching their heads, going, "Why are they doing this? What?" Why do they think it? Well, they're not even saying it because they don't. They won't, they won't even speak it out loud. But other people are saying, "I wonder why they're doing this." Well, if Muhammad is the perfect example for all mankind, which is what Muslims believe, they believe Muhammad is the perfect man. We should emulate Muhammad, even in the way we go to the toilet, in the way we dress. Yada yada. yada. Muhammad's he's he's the guy. He's the guy that we should all copy. So if Muhammad met Aisha when she was six and married her and consummated the marriage when she was nine and dressed in her clothes and Aisha's friends used to run away from Muhammad because they were scared of him and if Muhammad took sex slaves from some of the people that he murdered which according to the Hadith he did if all those stories about Muhammad are true and these whether they're true or not is not the issue the issue is that the Muslims believe these stories and if he's the perfect man, then 
in their in their in their view there's no problem with doing what they do to little teenage girls exactly in keithley in birmingham and and i believe we're only scratching the surface with this i mean i've been looking at certain areas and what's been happening in certain areas and believe you me it's far worse than even we think it is when it comes to the grooming i mean Anne cryer said she believed a million girls had been raped in the last 40 years by the by the um by the, the by the rape gangs involved in rape jihad so so when you put all those things together when you look at what muhammad was like they are emulating muhammad and if something is fundamental to what you believe and this is why religion can be very good and very bad at the same time if what you believe is fundamentally damaging to yeah. society that you live in and oppresses and subjugates the society you live in then it becomes something very very bad indeed if christianity well let's say religion as a whole is a force for good and it's and it's promoting good morals honesty non-violence peaceful coexistence and all the sort of good stuff that you can get from the new testament then i know what i would choose and that's the choice that people have to make because we're not going to get no religion we're going to get either yes yeah that's right violence that subjugates all religions and, and, and pushes this progressive agenda where anything goes yeah. or you can have Christianity and I know what I choose I mean, that's, you know, that's the other thing as well is, is that, you know can we look at Islam and say that it's strictly a religion well it, it's it's a religion it's a, well the thing about Islam it's a religious and political system it's yeah, that's not, what I was going to say yeah, yeah. I mean if you look at the, if you look at Islam, and this is where this is where Muslims are very confused because the caliphate was basically destroyed by Western civilization. Well, they uh, have no church-state separation, do they? No, exactly. But right. of course, at the moment, there is state separation everywhere. There is no caliphate. Yeah. The only caliphate that they've had was basically in um, in in. In, in, in Mosul and, and Iraq and Syria for about five minutes until Trump went in and bombed the, you know, you know. Yeah. So um, the, the caliphate doesn't exist and it hasn't yeah. existed since what, uh, when was the Ottoman Empire defeated? The end of the First World War. So that's when the caliphate collapsed after the First World War when the Ottoman Empire yeah. and Ataturk came in as a secular Turkish ruler. Now, that's why I think Turkey is such a dangerous country because uh, under oh. Oh, I believe Erdogan wants to come back as the, you know, as, as the caliph. And, um, you know, that's why Iran's so dangerous. That's why Saudi Arabia is so dangerous. That's why Pakistan's so dangerous. Because all so, of these countries have vast numbers of people in them that, that believe that there should be a caliphate and believe that the caliphate should dominate. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is what people don't understand. I hear people talking about how Turkey, for instance, great example, because I've spent some time there. People talk about how Turkey is a democratic country, even before more recent events of Erdogan. Let's go back um, about 20 years, actually, and spend some time there at 3, 4 in the morning. I was hanging around with people whose language I couldn't speak and going to these little places of theirs and talking to them. Yeah. And um, I remember I just got married and the, the way the conversation opened up was, I was like, I've just got married guys, it's three in the morning, I've got to go. Yeah. And they were like, why? And I was like, 
because I've just got, I just explained it, Joe Scott. And obviously, that's where the, the non-equality thing came in. Yeah. But the point yeah. of it was, was that Turkey is considered or, or talked about by Europe and everybody else like it's, or has been up until Erdogan recent, more recently, has been talked about like it's a, a country that's so much more democracy than it is Caliphate. When you talk to the people, um, it's bred out of them or into them, whichever way you look at it. So you could talk to a 16-year-old who's going for education in, in Turkey. And one thing I remember one of them told me was he said, please let everybody know when you go home. We're not all the same. We're not." And, and I felt really sorry for this kid because he wanted people to know. But I also saw what was waiting for him. What was waiting for him was a kind of training where in a few years' time, he will be stopping for every single one of those, uh, what do they call it, where they play Muhammad's voice. He'll be stopping for every single one of those he'll, and, and he'll be part of this. And and the nightlife was violent. There was, you know, it was just that a caliphate was already in, it, uh, what's the word, springing up. Yeah. Even absolutely. then. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, that's, of course, Dangerous. sponsored by you know, by the Muslim Brotherhood, by the Saudis. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, I mean, they all fight against each other anyway. But but the point oh, is... Sorry, that's a more moderate country was the point. That's that's one of the yeah, ones considered yeah. to be more moderate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's happening is that, you know, if you look at what's happening right the way through Africa now, I mean, there's there's a there's a bloodbath going on in Africa at the minute. Nobody's talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Mozambique, um, I think 50 people were, were taken out of a village in Mozambique last week. Um, taken onto a, a field by um, jihadists and, and beheaded in the name of Islam, you know, because they wouldn't convert because they're either Christians or whatever, they, they wouldn't convert. So they were just killed by the by by these jihadists. Nobody's talking about that, you know, and, and everyone's talking about the Uyghur Muslims in China, um, but nobody's talking about the Christians in um, in Bandar Aceh. Nobody's talking about the Christians of Indonesia. Nobody's talking about the Christians in... You've got two things going on at the moment, haven't you? You've got one is the the news cycles. Uh, one, they're going very quickly, but two, they seem to be. It seems like they only want to focus on one thing at the moment at a time. Yeah. And the other thing is that again, you know, um, if it was happening to Islam, then yeah. the world would know about it, the same as they knew about George Floyd and everything else. So with those two factors working together. Um, it was really good, like when you said to me, you know, about about perhaps bringing up. I mean, we did plan to talk about this, did we? But some things, you know, we we talked about. It was important because there's so many big important stories flying under the radar right now. Totally, uh, you know, and, and I think I think at the moment, I mean, I think, I think there's so many threats at the moment. I mean, I think we're threatened. Communist China is a massive threat to the to, to the West. Um, that that report has been published about how they'd infiltrated Western universities, how they how they'd infiltrated the BBC, and and it's it's absolutely incredible what what's happening with China, and and again largely being ignored by the mainstream by the mainstream media, and of course it's very interesting, isn't it, that Trump stood up to China, Boris stood up to China, and uh, the two countries that are, that, are, that are worst affected by COVID are, are the UK and and uh, US, and goodness knows was it a biological weapon? I mean, there's one to throw out there. Who knows? Um, it's been extremely effective in destroying um, Trump's presidency, and and it hasn't really done much for the UK either. So, um, no. you know, that's one just 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 to put out there. I mean, I, I'm not one of these people that. The other thing is actually the interesting thing. Um, I'd love to know where the 
the COVID deniers get all their information from. Um, because it's very interesting that the Chinese sit very, very happily with COVID deniers because the Chinese don't want to be found out for what they did, which is basically leaking a virus from one of their weapons um, establishments. And uh, it seems very, very convenient that the COVID deniers don't see anything wrong in COVID and don't don't believe it exists, when the reality is it does exist. It's killed a lot of people. And it came from China. It came from the communist Yeah, communist I saw state talking the other day. And the people that don't believe in COVID could be actually buying into a Chinese yeah, conspiracy. Yeah. I wish I could re uh, remember the person's name. I will look this up so I can try to send it to you. But they, they, were, they were talking about, um, they said it was, oh, I'll tell you who it was. It was Brett Weinstein. He's doing um, these Dark Horse uh, podcasts at the moment where they're trying to look at these issues. And I like his attitude. What he's saying is they're talking about things that where there's, enough evidence to at least let's say make it worthwhile the conversation yeah um and so i like that premise and um he was saying that he's saying it that it very much looks like a lab leak yeah and he said but if it is a lab leak then if there's blame to go around that would then include china america the uk and he named some other countries because we're yeah. all working in that lab yeah we're all we're all working on the same things in these labs which i actually didn't know at all well, I mean, so, you know, Porton, Porton Down, um, yes, Joan, I am on VK, but I don't really I don't really use it at the moment. Um, Porton Down is is our weapons, um, biological weapons lab now. Um, of course, we don't manufacture them in, 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 in large scale. But the thing about biological weapons, you don't need to manufacture them on a large scale. You just need no, to have a look at no. stuff to cause a huge amount of damage. But obviously, Porton Down's reason to exist now is to is to find antidotes to, to, to these viruses. So... You know, yeah. we've been messing about with this stuff since the Second World War, to be to be honest. And Porton Down's been there as long as I can remember. It was there when I was. It was a military place when I was in the army, and you know, people yeah. uh, people used to go there and get injected with all sorts of strange oh, stuff. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, the stuff that you could buy years later for there was in Portland Town, and that was yeah, yeah. incredible, incredible. Yeah, so, so, so um, yes, I think I think the, the <coughs> organization has a lot to a lot to answer for as well. So there was one other thing we were going to cover, but obviously I know we've gone way over time. So I know that you're very, very busy. Would you like to leave it for another time? What, what, what was it, Tom? Just so we can... I've got to, I can't pronounce his bloody name. The, 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 the guy that... The, the guy that um, pronounced that... The, um, sorry, announced that um, Churchill was worse than the Nazis. Oh, Kahindi Andrews, the delightful... That's Kahindi. one, thank you. Oh, Kahindri Andrews is a completely vile individual. I, I think we should start a campaign to defund Kahindi Andrews. And, and he should actually have to make reparations to all the people that he's upset with his, uh, his rambling nonsense that he spewed out. He's the professor of black studies, I think, from Birmingham University. Um, Richard, I'll be right back. Okay. Sorry, please keep talking. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, Tom. Yeah, yeah. He's he's professor of um, he's professor of African studies, as far as I know, at Birmingham University. And and the thing about Kahindi Andrews is, he is basically he gets a platform. I mean, if there was a white supremacist that had the views that Kahindi Andrews had, he'd probably be in prison. It's as simple as that. But Kahindi Andrews, because he's got the right color skin, 
to have those sort of um, those sort of views. Oh, it's fine. He can he can come on and spout his racist nonsense and say what what's what does he call he call, he talks about the psychosis of whiteness. Have you heard that one? The psychosis of whiteness. He says being no, white, what the psychosis of whiteness. Psychosis of whiteness. That's what the Hindi Andrews catchphrase was a few a few years ago. He basically said people who were white had a psychosis. In other words, everybody who was white has a mental illness. And this comes from this disgusting critical race theory. Now. What is happening with this? And and these people, they must know, they must know that they're doing this. What they are doing is they're feeding racists. They're giving racists all the food that they need to dine out on for years. And people like me yeah. and you, John and, and, and Danny, that, that don't see colour and genuinely don't see colour. Yeah. Yeah. We are the ones that will get marginalised. And what the, what the extreme... Um, the, the 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 extremists on the black rights side, the, you know, the Black Lives Matter people, the people like Kahindi Andrews, what they are doing is they are deliberately feeding the monster um, on the far right so that they can have the confrontation that they want. And, uh, you know, do you know what we'll do? We'll just stand by and watch the two of them not bells out of each other because I'm not buying into that. I'm not going to go down that road and get involved in that, that sort of absolute disgusting nonsense. I hate people with a passion. I hate identity politics with a passion. Yeah, me too. And 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 seeing the the right embrace the far right embrace it the way they have. Um, well, they always. I mean, they've always been into identity politics. They, true. True. Yeah. Just, you know, that's that's what Nazism was about. Nazism was yeah. about identity politics, and and it's interesting that as people on the very far right want to see Churchill statue pulled down. And there's people on the far left want to see church and statue pulled down. What does that tell you? They're both singing from the same. The same yeah, head. you go around that circle far enough and they meet. Yeah. They meet. There's very little difference and, between national socialism and socialism. Yeah, and there's one word that, that wraps it all up. Totalitarianism. Yeah. Totalitarianism. Any form of socialism destroys society. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And yeah. And so, yeah, Hindi Andrews, let's get him defunded. Um, just, I mean... But the thing is, he had he he has little chats with Pierce Morgan on a regular on a regular basis. I he, knew his name had to come up sooner or later. <laughs> come on, let's talk about your favourite man. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk about Podgy Pierce. Well, Podgy, <laughs> not, not that I not that I claim to be a prophet or a son of a prophet, but um, a few a few years ago, <laughs> I made the comment that that uh, that, that Pierce Moron. Uh, <laughs> wanted uh had political ambition had political ambition and lo and behold at the beginning of the year i think tom's just fallen off his chair lo and behold at the beginning of the year uh pierce moron basically announced oh, he announced that he, he's going to be prime minister and he started a campaign and the daily star picked it up pm for pm um now i don't think that's a joke i mean i'm laughing about it but i think yeah and the scary thing is i think pierce morgan is uh, deadly serious and he is he is a um he is a populist um he he go he jumps on any bandwagon that he thinks is is going to get him um applause he's a bully uh, he's dangerous i mean some of the things when did you say this was reported sorry pardon when did you say you you first heard this sorry oh well i i i just made it up about two years ago i just said pierce morgan wants to be prime minister i just said it on yeah. a live stream. i was you know i was, I was just ranting and i said yeah. Not my words, Pierce Morgan's going to be 
prime minister one day or he's going to try to be prime minister. And I think we need to do everything we can in our power to stop him um, becoming prime minister because I, I think it would be a complete catastrophe for the country. Um, I think... I think Personally, I think he's either going to he's either going to join the Labour Party and become right. leader of the Labour Party when Keir Starmer uh, drastically fails, or he'll start some some sort of new, supposedly middle of the road anti woke party. But it won't be. It'll be it'll be a progressive party. It'd be like it'd be like Blair. It'd be like Blair on steroids. Um, and a fat podgy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all those those uh, was it GMTV does or whatever. Good morning, Britain, or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those. I'm very interested to, to to compile those to see how many because obviously you know the big stick is that he loses his rag with people. You know, we we, we get it, but it'd be interesting to see how many of those he's lost his rag with people on things that he's completely contradicted the last time he's lost his rag. Oh, sure. I'd be interested to know how many of those things that there are. I bet there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought when Tommy went on, Tommy made absolute mincemeat of him. I mean, you know, you know. Yes, oh, he was brilliant. Tommy was waving the crown above his head, saying, "This is a cursed book." You know, this is a cursed book. And Morgan's reaction was like he was he was holding a baby in one hand, and yeah. you know, I I think Pierce Morgan saw himself in an orange boiler suit, you know, with it with yeah. a, had his knife round his throat, you know, and of course Tommy doesn't care about that sort of stuff, so Tommy just cracked yeah. on. And Absolutely. I thought that was quite entertaining. It was. It was. It, uh, it was. It was. The only other person that's, that's entertained me talking to Piers Morgan was uh, Ben Shapiro, and he made sure he bought uh, a, a copy of the American Constitution for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Shapiro. And I tell you who else made mincemeat of him? Uh, that rapper was it Stormzy? Is that is it Stormzy? Is is he the? No, it wasn't. I'm not very good with the, was the, right, and I can't remember what his what his name was. Um, I don't think. I know that name. But, but anyway, he was like, um, oh, tiny someone or other, isn't it? I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Neither say I don't know too much about rap culture. But, but, um, but he, he made absolute mincemeat of, uh, of Pierce Morgan as well, which was superb. He just, Pierce Morgan was trying to draw him on the Black Lives Matter debate. And he's like, listen, mate, I just want to play my music. Just chill out. Just don't worry about it. Very, very, very good. But, a lot yeah. of people who do that, they just take the whole argument away. Just take the whole argument away completely. I'd have him by the throat, and I'd be, I'd be probably, you know, arrested for. for well, I feel, I feel sort of ashamed of myself because I've just come in to contact in terms of reading material and stuff like that with a, a guy called Thomas Sowell in the last, I don't know, few weeks. Okay. And um, and I, I remember uh, mentioning it to Danny Rosk, and he went, "You don't know who this is. What's wrong, you man?" And he's right, absolutely. If, if any of you haven't uh, checked this guy out, he's so spot on. He's so, yeah. and I don't just mean he's got opinions about Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. He really goes down and breaks it down from a historical point of view. Um, and it's very, very, like in America, I keep saying Richard, and the thing I keep wanting to do in America, I think when they're that little bit further down the road, you've yeah. got a lot of people in America but, where, where you could say, I could easily go and make, go and, pick videos off the internet now and find just as many people in America, black people, who would slag off Black Lives Matter, who would, who would support them. Whereas yeah. in Britain, I don't think we've quite got there yet. I think yeah. I think we need to show people where people are at in America, you know, and why. I mean, well, that's where, I mean, like Danny, when, when you look at what Danny's doing, um, Danny Roscoe, I mean, you know, it's superb. 
and it, it's very brave it's like you know it's like the, the you know when i stand and talk about I don't know, the ira or islam or you know white supremacist or black supremacist there's a risk involved in all of that but I, you've just got to say what you believe haven't you and if people don't like it it's tough you know i mean at the end of the day right you know, but it's frustrating it's frustrating because it's frustrating that that he has to take that risk when yeah. you know we, obviously we want to share it and he has to take that risk but obviously i know danny sorry i know you're in the chat so i'm not talking about you but yeah. you know but at the same time i know he's 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 prepared to take that risk but you know i absolutely um i absolutely believe in it in, in what he's doing because i mean one of the very things that you'd be doing is opening the door for us finally to have a movement where we don't need to ask people of a, of a certain ethnicity to come anymore they'll just turn up yeah. you know and and totally totally i mean like you know i mean that's the thing i mean it, you know it, it's uh and, and the, you know the, the reality is the reality is that you know people talk about about, about color and race and the reality is everyone has prejudice you know like everybody everybody you know english people have prejudice Scottish, you know we've all got we've all got prejudice in us and it's not like we're, it's not like we're, we're thinking every single day about it and we're you know we're doing you know we're, we're kind of you know um plotting to do bad things but i would say most people if, if, if they're brutally honest from time to time say things that are wrong and, and and do things that are wrong it's just the way we are it's not it doesn't make us any any worse or any better it's just it's just a reality of life but what i hate is when people are building their identity on skin color sexuality you know religion whatever it is that's any, any tribal group to be honest yeah. i mean i've even seen people yeah. seen people do it with the veterans it doesn't matter if any group that you are part of it, it can be used in a positive or negative sure. way sure. yeah i've seen it yeah you know um, so so yeah i mean that's you know that i, I guess that's you know all, all i want i mean i don't know about you tom all i want is to live in a country that's moderate that's that's peaceful that's prosperous that's pr that's proud you know i'm proud of british history all this attacking british history and attacking churchill it's just horrendous permission to speak completely freely yeah yeah exactly exactly I, I i want us to live in a country where we realize that at least a thousand years of blood have been spilt for us to be here yeah. Yeah. i'd like what i'd like is some but uh, I would like it's a flipping gratitude, yeah, from all of the generations that are alive now to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I'd like, um, I'd like there to be so much more gratitude. I'd like there to be, um, an end to this. Look, you know, the idea that this new idea that um, borders create wars, absolute stupidity, all all of this socialist stuff. The border down the Irish Sea might create a war if they don't sort it out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that, that's true. That's true. Um, no, but I, mean, I, agree. But, but but I, I, I want them. All those guys that were saying um, no more borders two years ago are saying, for goodness sake, close the borders. We're not totally getting in. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know. That's the funniest thing. That's like people keep telling me I'm not going to get out of the country at the moment. I said, I better would if I was on a dinghy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but no. That's like, so all. All I want is a peaceful, 
peaceful country where my yeah. my kids and my grandkids and I want the and I want the union. I want the I mean, union. Oh, the union's vital. I mean, if, yeah. listen, if Northern Ireland is if Northern Ireland is put if if the if the the the, the loyalist people in Northern Ireland are pushed, they will go. And it will not be nice. I mean, it'll not be. I mean, it'll make anything that, that people have seen in England in the past few years look like an absolute tea party. You've not see when it gets bad over here. You know, like yeah. you know, you don't. And I, I mean, I don't want that. I want to. I want to see a peaceful, you know, a peaceful democratic movement to change the thing and to win to, to win people's hearts and minds and to challenge the the, the republican narrative and, and the lies that the that the nationalists and the IRA are telling. And and also the Scottish nationalists, but um, if Northern Ireland gets pushed, it, it could get very very nasty very quickly, and that's what I'm worried about at the minute. So I, I would like to see I would like to see something similar to the to the separation between church and state between um, church ideology church ideology and yeah. learning institutions and places like that. Yeah. The reason being is that the freedom of religion has meant that we now can't exclusively teach our religion in our schools and stuff so therefore it's not going to that's not something we're going to be so what i would like is for is for okay none of it gets taught in schools no creationist stuff in school if you're gonna if we're gonna go down this path rather than having catering for muslim, muslim and other other religions as well rather than catering for all that and having a country where it's it's multiple countries, this entire country, it's like a China doll of cultures. That it's not multiculturalism. It's just I can't even know what the word is for it. Really, it's segregation well, it's, in the way. It's absolutely segregation, and that's that's what's so dangerous. I mean, yeah. you know, one of the one of the big things that we don't talk about much anymore, and we should be able to talk about it is the issue of mass muslim immigration into the country and i've always said i don't really have too much problem with um people coming from even eastern europe if they if they share our values and they want to integrate and they want to be part of our community i don't really have too much of a problem with that i have a problem if they if they're just coming here to take advantage of our of our goodwill and take all our money and you know and, and then scamper off home but if, if people are coming here to contribute to our country and become part of the country, I think, you know, you should have like in America where people can swear allegiance to the flag. And I think they have that now, don't yeah. they? you know, leadership ceremonies, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the problem is with Islam, Islam doesn't want to do that. It doesn't want to integrate. It doesn't want to become part of the community. It wants to stay separate and it wants to dominate and it wants to rule. And But you know, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You don't come here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't do it in our country. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, and 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 it sounds like a sweet generalization. And I don't want to come across as somebody who's who sounds like um bigoted. I'm not bigoted. I just I just don't want our country be to be to turn into some sort of um Saudi Arabia in the rain. You know, I just I, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want this country to be dominated um, by Islam. And I'm one of those willing to bet you're, you're, you're basing this on what you've seen happen already. Absolutely, you know. What I've seen, what I've experienced when I was when I was a youngster. Again, I mean, before I came to Northern Ireland, I lived in a town that was dominated, um, not dominated, but had a high Muslim population, a Pakistani Muslim population, and the the only people, the only set of people, the only group of people that I had problems with growing up, and and believe you me, I didn't instigate those problems. Were Pakistani Muslims in the school that I went to, and. Um, 
that was when I first started looking at Islam and realizing that Islam, there's something not right about this. There's something very, very sinister about this. And I believe Islam is a sinister religion. I believe it's a very, very sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Takiyah is a good example of that, that, that sinister nature. See, Jim just said that they want us to submit. Am I right in saying that, is it is it the word Islam or? Is one, it means submit, doesn't it? Yeah, they say it means peace, but it doesn't mean peace. It means submission. It doesn't, yeah, peace yeah. You know, and um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, Absolutely, Tony. It doesn't belong in the West. Um, what do we? The, the problem is the problem we've got is this, right? Um, what do we do about it? And no government and no political party is 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 looking at this apart from Anne Marie's with with For Britain. What yeah. do we do about however many million Muslims there are in the country now? Maybe it's eight, nine million. I don't know. I mean, who knows how many how many Muslims are? Yeah, I mean, last time I, I looked, they, they were at something like 5%, but and that was sort of 2011 figures. So it's probably so, double that. Yeah. Double. So what do, you, what do you do when 5 or 10% of your population, um, the vast majority of the men in, in that group don't want to... Um, to properly integrate, they they have an elitist, um, misogynistic, supremacist mentality. What do you do? What do we do as a country without with, without something horrific happening? How do we combat that? Yeah, this is a question I've asked. I'm just putting the question out there, Tom. I don't know what we do do about it. Well, this is yeah. a question I, I said before. I said I said if you imagine, let's imagine there's six people in a room plus a seventh with a gun, perhaps, right? And this this guy put, puts a gun to our head, and we're let's say there's a leftist there. I'm not going to pick the people; it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just people who fundamentally agree or disagree. Yeah. And I think we could say that for certain people, that that gun would be a motivator, and also yeah. that um, rationalism would shine through. And one way or another, people would reach some kind of consensus. But what do you do when? And let's say the state of the world was at fate. You, you couldn't leave this room without it being unresolved. So let's say you've got now, you've got some radical Marxists and they are just, you know what it's like trying to sit down and have a rational conversation with them. So what, yeah. what happens in that situation? How do you fix the world's problems with these people without using violence? How do you get around that table and then how do you make it work? It's a I mean, diff. I can't answer it. it it's, it's a. I can't either, Tom. And 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 um, it's. I want to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what we do. Um, and I, I used to think, you know, if, if we if we got some sort of political power, we could we could we could basically clip the wings of Islam and and basically stop, you know, ban the burqa and, you know, you know, stop mosques opening and all that sort of thing. But I just don't see any will for that. And, and again, the people, the British people have got to sleep. They were, they were waking up to the dangers of Islam. And this is, again, where I find the, the, the far right so insidious, the, the, the white supremacist, um, racist far right so insidious, because they're not really against Islam. They very, and that's why they don't get banned from any channels, because they don't, yeah. they don't have yeah. the real in the room. They'll, 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 they'll speak about, Skin color or ethnicity. Anyway, um, they don't speak about the elephant in the room, which is which is this terrible, terrible, dangerous religion that's um, causing all sorts of problems. And of course, Hitler 
Hitler himself thought Islam was great. He thought it was a great thing. He, he, whereas, whereas Churchill, from my understanding, thought it was, uh, well, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, he wasn't too, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I can't remember. I remember that, that guy, what do they call the guy that stood on the steps of the, the council building and got arrested for, for reading the words of Churchill? Do you remember that? Um, yes, yes. The Liberty Party. Do you remember the guy's name? I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. uh, he's, he, and everybody's gone very quiet about Islam. I was watching even, even um, what do they call him? Bob Little and 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 um, the other guy, Brendan O'Neill, was saying, "Oh well, Islam's not really that bad," you know. I'm going, "What are you guys on? Like, what what are you what are you talking about? You know, why have you caved in? You know, and you just wonder what sort of pressure these these the intelligentsia are coming under. You know, they know <laughs> they speak about Islam, they lose a chance. If I lost my channel tomorrow, it doesn't bother me in the least. At the end of the day, you know, yeah, yeah. and forget about everything. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Tom. I mean, it's a big problem um, to me. I'm, I'm, I'm living out in a in a place that is um, it's a far, right on the edge of the New Forest. It's in the sticks, and so I remember Tommy saying a long time ago, you know, if you're out in the sticks with your middle class and your little private estates, or if you're just out in rural areas, it may take longer to come to you, but it's coming. Mm. And I've seen evidence suggest suggest that that's true, but I'm not going to go into that yet because until I can back that up. But what I will say is, up the, the road there, there's only, if I was to say 12 businesses, I may be overcounting them. And in the last three years, um, Muslims have taken over probably a quarter or more of those businesses. Now, obviously, they're very polite and friendly at the moment. But... The point, and again, uh, you know, I hate to brandish everybody with the same brush. So I, I am being careful. But the question I ask myself straight away, with just putting all, aside all of the other things I've seen, is if you, if anybody wanted to integrate with, why would there always? Why is it every area that you move into, you feel the need to control, to take over, to have every business? It's not just. It's not just that. Tom. I mean, um, I, um, I've been looking into a. Um, a grooming scandal um, in a certain area of the country. Right. And, um, in that area of the country, 40% of the Muslim men were involved in the in in the rape of children in that in that in that particular. How many? What was it? 40%. Four zero percent of of the of the Muslim community were involved in. The rape of children, um, and you know, when you know who some of these people are, and then you walk into their takeaways, and they're smiling and they're laughing and they're cooking you food, um, and being very friendly and being very anglicized, and they're, and they're putting poppies on their on their Facebook pages, but you know that they've been involved in in the mass. That is you know, so 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 when when we think it's just small minority. Of extremists. Uh, to be fair, the extremists. I don't even know if the extremists are involved in the rape. I mean, I think they just want to kill us all. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, you no, know, it's, it's the thing is about well, is a Muslim, a Muslim, a Muslim that is militant and has has killed for his religion or whatever else. You hear a lot of people say, "Oh, but that's not what a real Muslim is." Well, actually, there's an argument to say. There's a very strong argument to say that. The guy that goes out and takes out a load of people on his way out, 
he has there's an argument to say he's actually a model muslim they are basing i mean the, the, whether whether you know this is the question whether it's a true interpretation or not i think it is the, the true interpretation but that's open to debate but the reality is that um when those people are committing those acts of of, of jihad they're doing it because they believe that allah wants them to do it so they believe they're doing the will of allah and this yes. hasn't gone away it's gone quiet that you know the the the, the dragon's gone that's asleep gone quiet, yeah I think, I think people as well are, are very, are very. Um, I think because of the the strength of belief, even for the believers, the strength of belief in this country isn't the fanatical strength that it used to be, and so I think that when people see other people with this kind of belief, they don't, they don't. really believe that they believe it. Absolutely, they don't. You know? they don't understand it. And I mean, you know, when the, the reason the reason that that I understand it is because I've seen it. You know in northern ireland i mean you know at the end of the day i know yeah. you know when, when when i was very fervently involved in christianity thankfully there's nothing in christianity that would allow that's why it's a very safe religion there's nothing that would allow you it'd be very difficult to justify going and murdering someone in the name of jesus you know it'd be almost impossible to do people have done it but it's, you've got it you've got to stretch scripture a long way to go down that road but the um you know when you're very fervently following a religion you will do things that seem completely crazy to to people that don't follow that religion. Absolutely. I'm not about doing violent stuff. I'm just not about you know the way you behave in certain issues. So when a Muslim believes Be right that his God is telling him to go and kill someone in in the name of his religion, of course he's going to do it because he believes fervently that that's the truth, and he's going to follow that truth. And I think that's you know that's the that's the problem we've got. Are you still there, Tom? Have I lost you? Well, I don't know what's happened to Tom, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's been good chatting to everyone on Tom's channel tonight. And uh, Tom has completely disappeared, so I'm left uh, left on my own with this. But uh, I think we've covered just about every single every single issue that we were we were going to cover. So. Um, I will take my. Are we back, Tom? You back? Yeah, my apologies. <laughs> I thought you'd gone to bed, Tom. So I was just saying good night to everybody. <laughs> I was bored of you, Richard. <laughs> well, listen, I think, I think that's maybe a good point to stop there, Tom. We've, we've done okay. to probably get ourselves hung, drawn, and quartered by the uh, the Liberati. Uh, oh, absolutely. Well, f f first thing is, I, I just want to say, um, I actually turned the chat off and it hasn't worked, as you've seen. So I want to just say a massive thank you to the people who are both our normal mods and the ones that stepped up uh, at zero seconds notice to come and do this. Awesome. I also want to say thank you to the fact that most of the people that came on, I was watching, most of the people came on pretty cool anyway. Um, and so I just want to thank you all for just coming on with an open mind and listening and, and taking part. That's what this yeah. is all about, the community and taking part. So really thank you and thank you to those mods that have done that. Um, and Richard, you know, it always love speaking to you, but thanks for giving me the time when I, especially when I know you're so busy. No, it was great. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not doing a lot at the minute. I've, you know, I've kind of stepped back from a lot of stuff. Um, I can't, um, um, I can't basically, you know, do as much as I used to because I've, I've just, I'm that busy trying to set up businesses and, and, and do a lot of other stuff. 
um, to earn some money. Um, and hopefully, if it works, then I can fund activities for the movement. And, and you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a long term plan. But the problem is, when you're in the middle of it, it takes up a lot of time to, to basically do that. Yeah. And um, yeah, we've just got to keep fighting the good fight, Tom. And, you know, the, the, the reality is, we were talking earlier about, you know, if nobody's standing with us, we'll stand on our own. And yeah. I think we've, we've got to be like that. We've got to say, here I stand, I can do no other, you know, because what, we're, what we believe is right. And I mean, that sounds very arrogant and people think, oh, that's, a, you know, that's like, you know, that's what the, the extremists say, you know, you, you think you're totally right. Well, we are right. And we stand for common decency and a moderate, you know, good, you know, patriotic United Kingdom that loves the country and wants to live in peace and, and, and wants to prosper and wants to do business and do well around and the world. And on the fence isn't a morally righteous place to be, like people pretend. Um, yeah. it, it really isn't. Um, and it's people like yourself and, say, Danny Roscoe that's made me realise it's okay to actually believe like this, to think like this, and to say, no, I am right. I am right. And it's okay to say that. And I do want to say to people as well, you know, please keep going over, give Danny Roscoe support, because um, yeah. obviously these the bigger these channels get, the more more effect we can have. Mm. Um, so, and Rich's channel is in the description and uh, in, in, under, underneath the uh, video today, please go. If you go and see the amount of um, subscri subscription Richard has, very respectable amount of subscriptions, but for the work that he's done and the orator that he is, it's disgraceful that there's not more people on this channel. So please, please go over and um, give Richard a sub because he does some of the most amazing work in the movement. So um, please go and recognize him and, and do that. And yeah, just follow, just follow these people. Yeah, well, well, again, thanks, Tom, for giving me the opportunity to come on and, and just share, you know, particularly about Northern Ireland, because I'm very concerned about the situation here at the minute. And, and Absolutely. We, do, we do need the support of English patriots. And I mean boots on the ground outside these these treacherous Tory MPs, constituency yeah. offices, whatever we can do peacefully. You know, I'm not, I don't want anyone to do anything um, peaceful. But civil disobedience, we've got to... We've got to step it up on the civil disobedience because I think we've been we've been a little bit scared of getting arrested. And if you get arrested yeah. for carrying yeah. out a peaceful protest, um, you know, trying to save the UK, well, so be it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to get arrested or go to prison or get a criminal record. But the bottom line is, if if we've got if that's what's happening in our country and, that, and we've got to stand up and and make noise. And, and and that becomes crime. Well, then we, we'll we'll just have to take that on the chin. And, and it's like you said to Danny when I was on his channel, and I got myself a, a little bit wound up. And I I just said, you know, you're scared of getting arrested. Not to him, because he, you know, obviously he's not. But you're scared of getting arrested. We're all scared. You know, we yeah. are all scared. But there's a difference. It's like if you know that you're right and you know the thing's wrong, how far are you going to to, to prepare to stand up for it? And I don't mean committing violence against other people no. it's allowing someone to commit it against you and put you in a cell when yes. you know that you're right absolutely you know? totally Tom. And I, I mean i i remember the first time i came to, England <laughs> to do a demonstration in um september 2017 and i met a lot you know people i met then that you know been in touch with ever since and um i, I remember sitting at gatwick airport after I, I've made one of my one of my speeches outside Downing Street, and uh, I remember sitting in the airport thinking, "Well, that's that's my life changed forever now," and I was totally right; it had changed forever, you know. And uh, but you know, you, 
somebody's got to stand up and, and do this. And I, I'm not doing this. Believe you me, this this is costly. This costs you a lot. And I'm not doing this for self-gratification or for self-promotion. I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. And, 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 and you know, I could do without doing it because it's it, it, it's you get that much grief, you know, from all sorts of different sources that it's it's very. So very people good. trust you, and they know that you've been around the movement a lot. So so, you know, when you just reiterate that, it's it does cost money. Uh, mm. uh, as in, when I say cost money, I mean it, it, out of your own pocket. And it, it costs, does take time and it is hard work. It costs money. It costs you your reputation. You know, you get slandered. You get grief from, you know, threats and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, and, and, oh, it, and again, right. yeah, yeah. And you, you also get noticed by the police as well. And I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, I, I'd lived in the life of a model citizen for 20 years. I, I hadn't even been, you know, I think the last time I got, so with the police was like uh, when I was 24 or something, I mean, like, you know, I, you know, just I hadn't been, you know, just been living a good life and, and, and basically, you know, trying to make money for, for, for my family. And, and the reality is that we've been pushed because of yeah. what's happened in the country. And, and thankfully, but we've had some great victories, you know, I mean, Brexit was a great victory. Oh, Brexit yeah, absolutely. Great, great yeah. Victory. And I, I believe we'll, we, you know, when we were doing those demonstrations, the state took notice. Yes, I believe it was. It was, you know, the movement was was to a great deal destroyed by the by the state and and uh, by lots of different forces. But you know, we we've made some big big progress, and and you know, we don't give up on it. We keep going, but we may just keep going in slightly different ways. We, you know, there's there's times when it's it's right to be quiet and it's right to to plan and 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 to try and you know build business and get finance and 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 make it so that it's. Because one of the problems is you put loads of energy into doing something really quickly and and you run out of energy um, and you run out of money and you run out of time and you, you're literally left, you know, completely destroyed on so many, so many levels. And then you've got, to go back, you've got to sit back, you've got to rebuild, you've got to regroup. And, you know, we maybe need to have a, you know, say, well, we have we need to have a sort of five year plan of how we can rebuild this yeah. movement yeah. i know time's short and i know we, we, there's a sense of urgency but we also need to strategically plan what we do we do and, and how uh, we get our way of thinking into the mainstream because you know the far left and the far right are never going to be mainstream right they're always going to be on the on the margins but what we believe is actually right so how do we get that that's been, what we believe has been pushed on the margins but it should have been pushed on the margins because it's very very good so we need yeah. to get that mainstream we need to have a voice for the working class people of the uk i'm this hoping we're going to have some kind of some kind of um right-wing media sooner rather than later that, that can hold its own against the, the big the big tech i'm yeah. going to just put my point here very quickly before we wrap up i see uh, danny's going to be um speaking in swansea on the 27th as a counter counter demo to blm uh, i would anybody who can uh, support him who's willing to to take the risk share the risk please do so and i see someone else uh, saying in the comments you know what's the point you'll just be you'll just be cast as uh, far right white supremacist nazis or whatever the, the exact comment was well yeah. good luck trying to do that to, to um to danny roscoe um yeah. good luck trying to call him a white supremacist good luck trying to call him a nazi so um there's always a point and um I absolutely support him in doing what he's doing. 
Um, and, you know, if they want to try and paint Danny uh, Roscoe as a, as a white supremacist, we can all fall around laughing afterwards. So that's brilliant, you know? So yeah, that's actually how they could call Danny. Yeah. I mean, you know, anyway, yeah. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, Danny, go for it, mate. Fill your boots. Um, you know, we support you. And uh, let's say, you know, when I'm over again, we'll have to sit down, and have a beer, and, and have a bit of a bit of crack. You know, it's uh, yeah, be be good to see you. But uh, and you as well, Tom. We'll have to. We'll have to. Yeah, been too long, get, mate. But then again, you know, who who knows when we'll be allowed to travel and fly? I know, I know. I think if I, if I drive more than five kilometers away from my house, I get arrested. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thanks, thanks once again for joining me tonight. Yeah, really no, do. Uh, really appreciate your time yeah, and once, once again thanks to everybody else as well just before just before i clock us off is there any other uh, message or links or anything you want to you want to say before we go uh just we we need support when it comes to this northern Ireland thing um excuse me it's a threat to the entire uk and it needs to be if we put boots on the ground in london and in the constituencies of these um, I mean, Glenn Saffer was on earlier. I think Glenn, Glenn lives quite close to where the one of these miscreants is 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 MP. Um, if we get boots on the ground, I think they will have to listen, and they will have to agree really what, what they're doing um, because it will scare them. It will scare them if people are in their constituencies threatening. The, the the thing that the Tory Party is scared of most is losing votes. So if we can cost them, if we can cost them votes. In their constituencies, that would be a, a big step forward. Yeah. I think it's it was a, like a guerrilla warfare tactic that would that could work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's and, and you can do things peacefully without without um, without you know doing anything crazy and and achieve a better result than if you you know than if you you'd done something really really stupid. So yeah, that's, that's my take on things. So let's let's hope. I mean, I'll be I'll, I, you know I'm going to be talking to more people in England about this about how we can organise English people to stand for all stuff. But the good thing is, as a, as, a, as a way out of the conversation as well, the good thing is, is that I've been speaking to a lot of people and some of them have some ingenious ideas that are, pass that are passive, non-aggressive, and yet are wonderful PR. So I'm yeah. speaking to some, some people about some wonderful ideas at the moment. So, you know, it's not... Let me know on that. I'd be really interested in that we'll because do. that's... I mean, we need we need some you know some good civil disobedience that will get a lot of publicity, and that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But listen, okay, perfect. <laughs> See you. Thanks soon. so much, Richard. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I I still won't be taking you to any funerals though. Um, and to everyone else, thanks for watching. This is my guest, Richard Inman. I am Tom Shuri. This is Zero News, and I am calling it down. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling it a day now, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Mammoth, mammoth one, brilliant, really, really good. Fun.